Hello and welcome to another episode of the Uncommon Energy Podcast. On this week's episode, we'll be chatting about some brand new cards that were just revealed from a few different Japanese sets that we'll hopefully be getting over here in the western part of the world before too long. We'll talk about some results from some tournaments that took place over in Asia, one in Japan, one in Indonesia. Chat about that. Of course, tournaments that did happen with the new current format that we will be playing for EUIC this weekend. We'll, of course, have Guess That Flavor Text, everyone's favorite segment of the podcast. And then we'll break down our meta prediction and do our meta discussion about the European International Championships, which are taking place this weekend in London. Got some exciting news for the podcast as well. We are now officially sponsored by Dragon Shield. If you don't know, Dragon Shield makes the best sleeves and just other various gaming products in the game, to be honest. Azul and I have both used their sleeves for a long time before we were sponsored by Dragon Shield. Um, we've both individually worked with Dragon Shield, so we're excited to now be working with them in regards to the podcast specifically. So big thanks to Dragon Shield for being a sponsor. I mean it when I say it, the best sleeves in the game, the only ones that either of us ever use for tournaments uh, at any level at all. My name, by the way, is Chip Ritchie, and I'm joined here, as always, by my friend and co-host, Azul GG, who is uh, already across the pond. Azul, what's happening, man? How we doing? I'm doing pretty good. Super excited to be uh, sponsored by Dragon Shield, of course. Like Chip said, best sleeves in the game. I've tried you know, every other sleeve out, but I always come back to Dragon Shield. So I'm super excited to have been working with them the last uh, year or so, and then to be having them as a sponsor on the podcast is is super sick. I'm super excited to be uh, to working with them. So um, yeah, I'm over in, in London already, pretty tired, just got in today. Uh, <laughs> so I've been, uh, I took a nap earlier. I actually got hit pretty hard. I usually feel like when I land, I'm like fine. The day I get to like uh, international travel, I didn't sleep too much on the plane though. Um, so there was that. Um, so I did take a nap there. I'm feeling okay. I'll probably crash after this. It's like 2.30 a.m. for me right now. So if now I'm the one who's on the late side of things, <laughs> um, whereas it's usually chip yeah. <laughs> when I'm on the West Coast. Um, but yeah, just getting prepped for EOIC this weekend. Uh, excited for it. Um, and yeah, excited to play the, the new format. Super, super nice to not have to worry about uh, or not to have to deal with the last format, not to play last format ever again. That was just <laughs> unbearable for the most part. Pretty much the whole way through, I was not a fan of it. So I'm super excited for rotation hit. Got the new set. Yeah, looking forward to this weekend for sure. Yes, Azul, finally, I get my revenge. You have to be the one up in the wee hours of the morning recording the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, big shout outs to Azul, by the way, for being able to stay up and uh make this work it's really the only time i can record is at night after the baby goes to bed so um shout outs to azul saying you know we got to make this work so i'm gonna just <laughs> tough it out and stay up super late um but yeah azul's over there in london i'm unfortunately not gonna be in london for this one pretty bummed to be missing out on this one though uh i was kind of upset that i didn't uh get to go to london uh for worlds this past year um, it was for a good reason because my, my child was born. So I was like happy to be home for that reason, but it was bummed out that I missed out on London. So I was really hoping to get to go to this one. Unfortunately, didn't work out though. Um, but I'm excited to tune in and watch the broadcast. I'm going to be trying to catch just about as much of it as I can and, uh, hopefully get to see Azul win a third international championship in less than 12 months. That would be 
of a pretty sick man. So <laughs> rooting for you. We'll see if you can make it happen. Yeah, it'd be pretty sick. Yeah, it'd be quite a quite a tall order, but uh, uh, it's definitely possible. Got a little bit of time to grind games and hopefully come up with something better than uh, better than Lost Box, but it might be tough. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk more about the UIC um, meta so, in a bit. Yeah. But uh, one thing I did actually, I guess as well before we get too much into it, just while we're talking about this, uh, maybe you can just give some of your thoughts on like what it feels like to prepare for this turn. Like, cause I know you've always said your favorite Pokemon format is the next format. You really enjoy like the new format and trying to come up with new cards, new interactions, new like things for the, the formats work out right. New different unique strategies. Um, we haven't been able to do that for <laughs> a long time now. So, so what has it felt like for you kind of like exploring this new set and how it is shaking up the metagame and especially with the rotation thrown into the mix as well. Uh, I mean, it feels pretty good so far. I haven't actually had that much time to play too much Pokemon, to be honest. I'm going to probably play more games than I played in the format tomorrow or later today than I have uh, the rest of uh, Sun, Scarlet, and Violet's release, unfortunately. Um, so it definitely feels nice to just be able to play more decks, though. I feel like last format, um, there wasn't... You just kind of played a bunch of decks that, like... Um, like they either You either had a slightly unfavorable Magic Lugia or slightly favored, or more likely a 50-50, and then you kind of just dirtled around against the other decks in the format. And it just kind of felt like there was no evolution of the meta at all, which is which I don't think you want to see. It was like Lugia was constantly 30 to 40% of the meta and just kind of stayed there. Um, but I think we've already seen some kind of natural evolution of this meta so far. We haven't been part of all of it, at least in North America and Europe, um, or even Latin America as well. It's just been kind of uh, Japan... Um, in general has been like the the most of the natural evolution of the meta like we saw like los antino was super hyped up early on mirada was hyped up early on neither of those decks have done well at any of the major tournaments so far are they great there's been like maybe one in top 16 one of them did win right did win like the last major tournament but it's just like that's its only placement right there's one in top 16 it did win the tournament but i don't think that's a great indication of like mirada being broken or anything so it does feel like the meta is evolving and a lot of these decks are just really powerful which is cool to see as opposed to just being like lugia is broken and everyone is just like can't keep up so it definitely seems like there is room for um other decks to kind of push for maybe being the most popular deck in the meta or just kind of more of a natural uh evolution of the meta where like decks will go in and out of being the most popular or seemingly the best deck for a tournament and then the next tournament they're maybe not quite as good well that's what makes for a healthy metagame as well something that's constantly changing yeah. and evolving and it's just unfortunate whenever there's something that just dominates for so long but we've complained enough about lugia the last six months let's focus on the positives here focus on the future and we can start doing that by chatting about some new card reveals these are things that have come out over the last few weeks we have had so much to talk about the last few weeks though that we haven't really had a chance to mention everything um, but a few cards that have been revealed over in Japan from three sets. The first one being Pokemon card 151, which is meant to be like a, I guess, like a celebration of the original 151 Pokemon. It's going to be some sort of mini set. So I imagine when we get it over here, it'll be like a subset type thing, a collector set, like a champion's path sort of thing. If I had to guess, Crown Zenith, that type of thing. And then the other set of cards are going to be from Snow Hazard and Clay Burst which are cards that should be in our NAIC set, right? Azul, something like that. 
Uh, wait for the one fifty one or the no for the clay ha- the snow has yeah, yeah that one first. comes out that's supposed to be our June ninth set um, okay I think um, I don't know the one fifty one it says it comes out in Japan on June sixteenth so this would we get this for like worlds this would be like a Pokemon Go set for worlds for us I feel like yeah so I don't think we have a world set this year unfortunately because of how things have been kind of pushed back still <laughs> so maybe <sighs> this though would be the thing so well yeah, I, I, yeah. it's not we don't have a, it's not a world set though it's just kind of like one of the mini set like I wouldn't call it the, it, it would be this set that gets released before worlds but I wouldn't call it you know it's not like when we got um. Mewtwo and Mew Union before 2019 World, something like that. Tag team, yeah. Yeah, tag team. So it's a little bit different than something like that. But for sure. Oh, no, it wasn't tag team. Tag team is when we got Pikaron. We had Pikaron before. Yeah, but we got Mewtwo and Mew tag team came out before, right oh, before yeah, yeah. World. The, ta- the Pokemon is what you're yeah, talking about. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So this will be like a Pokemon Go kind of shakeup, which isn't very much. So hope, I mean, I'm hoping that some kind of full set releases before Worlds, but I don't think it works with the time frame at all, right? If we get a set on June 9th, there's no way we get one before Worlds. No, yeah, probably not. Though the one coming out on June 9th, I mean, that is just like two months after this set came out, right? So we have all of April, all of May, and then the beginning of June. So it yeah. is a little bit quicker than what it has been normal. Maybe trying to catch back up to that original kind of normal three-month yeah, time hopefully. frame. It would have been nice like if Scarlet and Violet had came out sooner, and then uh what's called have been pushed back like a month uh clay burst snow hazard whatever we paldea evolved is what i think it's called for us yeah that's right yeah yeah, yeah. Um, so th- hopefully if that had come out you know instead of june come out in may and then we got a set in you know uh early august for worlds um, but maybe we'll get to that kind of time frame next year we'll see i'm not sure what the the plans are for that moving forward or anything but it'll be pretty cool because in the past it's always felt good to have that world set um it kind of adds the i think it adds the highest level of like competition to worlds because some formats already get played out and are kind of stale. I think we saw it last year's worlds um, where I'm not saying like it eliminates some players potential to do well, but I think a higher skill ceiling in a tournament where a new set drops, because it's not just play or like fundamentals that are as important um, and maybe like the little nuanced things, but like coming up with whole new archetypes and strategies and stuff is a little bit more, there's, there's a, a more depth to the game to be uh, taken advantage of. So it'd be cool to see it uh, maybe next worlds have a full set release but just before worlds but i mean though it's only going to be there's only going to be naic with the paldea evolved set so that will be pretty fresh even going into worlds there'll be a lot of uh so hopefully a lot of potential yeah well let's chat about the cards from pokemon card 151 i can't imagine that that's the name they'll go with when <laughs> it comes out in english it just doesn't really doesn't really roll off the tongue you know but um maybe like original yeah. 151 or something yeah maybe we'll see we'll see what they do um but yeah there's really not only a few cards that have gotten revealed so far and it's just the original canto starters right the blastoise the blastoise wow the bulbasaur charmander squirtle the pikachu of course and then we did get a whole evolution line and this is a pretty big one for a couple of reasons the alakazam ex um this evolution line first off because it's the first Kadabra that has been printed in 20 years. I'm pretty sure the last Kadabra came out in 2003. It was in Sky Ridge. And then we have not had another Kadabra since then. For anyone who doesn't know, it has to do with some big lawsuit with a magician called Yuri Geller. You can read all about it online. We're not going to go super in-depth with it here. But pretty much just in 2020, Yuri Geller decided, you know what? I'm done with that. I want pokemon to make their cadaver cards pokemon has never really officially referenced that that is why they were not making cadaver cards but it's kind of just a 
a known thing, I feel like. <laughs> uh, and Pokemon did not do anything to celebrate the fact that Kadabra is getting printed again. It's just kind of like, yep, here it is. And uh, well, I mean, what if they were like sitting on this set? They were like, we're going to do a 151 set as soon as we can make Kadabra again. <laughs> what if they've just been waiting? And they've been just planning like, okay. this since 2004, right? <laughs> yeah, and now they're just like, oh, okay, we can do this. Then we'll, we'll, we'll do it with the Xs. Who cares? Like, it's actually possible, right? Like, maybe this is like one of their ideas they've had. And now all of a sudden that it's like, they can use Kadabra again. They're like, okay, then we'll just do this now. Maybe they had a different idea that they're going to push back for, you know, another mini set next year or the year after or something. Um, but because Kadabra, they had all the time, right? Because they, it was late 2022, so they've had like two years to yeah, yeah. potentially make these cards. Yeah. They've been sitting on it, you know. Yeah. Made it work. Made it work. <laughs> but here is the Alakazam EX. The only ultra... Oh, no, sorry. We got the Mew as well we can talk about. But Alakazam EX... Yeah. Um, Kind of interesting here. It's got 310 HP. It is a stage two EX Pokemon, of course. It has the Mind Jack attack for two colorless. It does 90 damage plus 30 more damage for each of your opponent's benched Pokemon. And then Dimensional Manipulation for two Psychic. It does 120 damage. And this Pokemon can use this attack even when it is on the bench, which is pretty cool because that is... I, pretty sure yeah that is something that has never been done in the game before so this is this is a first the first time a pokemon can attack from the bench yeah it's kind of interesting too how they've kind of changed around i feel like Monk had these weird one-off effects they've recently switched it recently in like the last two years or so maybe like switch it over to where instead of that's effect being on like an ability it's on the pokemon itself i'm trying to think of like the a, a good comparison for that um but i think we had a pokemon recently that said oh, i can't even remember um but i i remember at, a, at one point where i read an attack i was like oh they're tying this into the attacks instead of the abilities like where i feel like they've done that in the past where it's like it's just because it feels weird like if you initiate the attack um it feels weird that you go to the effect you always do the effects of attacks first but then you go to the effect to use it so that it can attack from the bench it feels a little off um whereas if i had an ability that said this pokemon can attack even while on the bench that yeah, would almost yeah. feel that would almost feel better and in the past i think that's how stuff has generally worked for things that are kind of weird like this um, but I think it's correct to have it kind of tied to the attack. Like overall, it just feels weird. Well, it makes um, sense too because you can do more with the Pokemon, right? Like if you gave yeah, yeah. this thing an ability, it would only have one ability, one attack. Because you yeah. tie that into the attack, it can also have well, an additional attack, right? I mean, in recent years, yeah. There's nothing wrong with a Pokemon having two attacks and ability, though. But uh, Pokemon they just haven't kind of done that in a long time. Yeah, Pokemon's been living like the amount of uh, active uh whatever effects on a pokemon attacks or abilities to two for quite a while what was the last time i had something had three i can't even remember um i'm sure there's something that's not too yeah not too long that's ago recent. yeah um but yeah it's definitely interesting the cool new uh kind of effect and you can there's a couple things you can use this with klefki empoleon even um tinglu um when tinglu's in the active it prevents your opponent's pokemon that are not exes that have uh, damage counters on them from using their abilities so you can sit there with alakazam and just kind of ping stuff and then like you know do Bro, something, just, something to set up the ting just to wait down. ting lu ting lu supremacy here he comes he's taking <laughs> ting over kazam. <laughs> ting lu kazam yeah but that's definitely an interesting one and and we've only seen a little bit of this set so it's possible it was a little bit better than i'm kind of currently giving you credit for so we'll have to wait and see what the whole 150 looks like but the uh the only other ex that's been revealed is the the mu ex 180 HP, basic Pokemon, of course. Uh, ability reset. Once on your turn, you may draw cards until you have three in your hand. So Instruct, for anyone who played Guru back in the day, is coming back on the Mew. Uh, and it isn't limited. So you could do this multiple times with multiple Mews. Um, and then it's got the Genome Hack Attack for triple colorless. Choose one of your opponent's 
active Pokemon's attacks and use it as this attack. So I feel like Mew is kind of going back to um, kind of its roots, where I felt like it was always kind of more like a utility Pokemon. I think the only other time we've seen Mew that I can think of were not like not the tag team. The only other time I can think about Mew being truly kind of like top tier was like Mew Trick back in 2006, 2007. Yeah, and then and then besides Mew EX um, or Mew, what is it, Mew V Max that we just had. But now I feel like this Mew EX, it's got it's got a good ability, it's got a solid attack, but it's like nothing broken, which I kind of like uh, for sure. Yeah, I mean, this is the type of card that might see play at some point. It could be played just for the ability. I think that's unlikely. We did just have Cricketune V in the format. Actually, Cricketune V the same thing. is still in the format. Yeah, Cricketune yeah. V is still in the format. Um, yeah, Cricketune's getting pushed out already. It's still in the <laughs> format. It's basically getting rotated with Mew drops. Yeah, and it's even a little better because you can draw up to four if it's in the active spot, right? And then, yeah. uh, but you can only use one Cricketune per turn. Cricketune but, plus combo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, there's your combo for sure. Um, <laughs> but no, I can definitely see like th this is just like a decent card that will probably be played at some point. It's not broken by any means, and I don't think it's gonna like take over, but um, yeah, it's definitely solid. We got a couple trainer cards here as well. We can chat about safety goggles. The basic Pokemon this card is attached to has no weakness, so they decided to go with a new tool card as opposed to just reprinting weakness policy, which is kind of interesting um yeah i think they want to give some strength because like the stage two pokemon are just definitely way stronger than basic pokemon right now right so trying to give some strength and i like really strong tool cards like this i like really strong stadiums i like really strong tool cards as long as there's not just one really strong stadium or one really strong tool card like we've seen in the past with stuff like um i don't know i'm trying to think about like a stadium off the top of my head like giant hearth and chaotic squad were the only two stadiums that were played for a while like some, yeah, there's a little bit of forest yeah or like when muscle band was a tool card it was like you played you played muscle band and that's it <laughs> like you maybe yeah. played floatstones because floatstone was broken as well but yeah you could have also played switch if floatstone didn't exist so um yeah i like like really strong tool cards but i like the the limiting factor here of just the basic pokemon because i think it'll allow it'll allow it to be almost more powerful um and not kind of a get out of jail free card for like every deck in certain situations but it'll allow potentially basic pokemon to kind of thrive uh, and be able to go up against stuff like the 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 heavy HP, heavy power stage two EXs. So I think it's a good balance card. And then we have Giovanni's Charisma. Put an energy attached to your opponent's active Pokemon into their hand. If you do put an energy from your hand to your active Pokemon. So it's like a energy excel plus disruption. But this is one of the situations where it's like the, it almost feels like there's too many qualifiers going on here for this card to work right like it can always be a disruption card which is good but it can't yeah. always be an energy acceleration card right yeah you should be able to get it if you play this alongside like a draw engine like a b barrel or like a river room i think you'd be able to get it there to be pretty consistent with getting your energy into play um this card's interesting guys yeah, like it's the thing is like energy acceleration in pokemon is super good when it's available um there are like some situations like flaffy where it's like flaffy was kind of on the back burner for a long time and had like a couple showings here and there still in the format so it can still kind of do its thing uh, but energy acceleration is always super strong or attacking for very little energy is super strong like you know right. like sable zard or zorark back in the day for just a double uh, a dce like all that's either attacking with very little energy super strong or 
having some form of energy acceleration is super strong. So like energy disruption in general is kind of hard to make work. Um, so and it doesn't feel like it really sits as a, like a great control card either because like control decks yeah. don't really have any accelerate their own energy. And we did just get uh, Team Star Grunt, which puts the energy somewhere on else? top of their deck i think yeah so it's even better right so like team star is just better than giovanni's charisma for like control decks i would say yeah team star ground um, puts it on top of their deck this is most yeah. similar to team yell grunt which we just had rotate out of the form or team yells yeah. yeah team yell grunt yeah team yells which here is a different card that's still in the format but yeah um so i don't think this card it seems like great It'll, like maybe see play um in some kind of control deck or if energy like maybe a rotation from now energy acceleration kind of gets i don't know maybe a couple sets from now it's even possible that energy acceleration is just not very good based on what else is good in the format and then at that point we could see something like uh the uh team yell being good or not the team yell the uh <laughs> giovanni's charisma yeah. but uh yeah so it's, uh, right now it's feeling pretty mid yeah and then one other thing before we move on to the other new cards, something that Poke Beach pointed out here in their article, which is pretty cool, is that all of these artworks seem to reference the locations of their original artwork counterparts. So we've got Bulbasaur, you know, the original base set art. It's in like a field of flowers or something like that. And it just looks like we're seeing the Bulbasaur in a different angle. The Charmander base set is burning a field of grass with his tail on accident. And then the second panel from this new card, it shows Charmander reacting to, to burning the, the field of grass. So yeah, it's a lot of that Pikachu in the forest, of course, Squirtle on the rock, Abra out in the field with the trees. Um, yeah, pretty cool to see some references to the, the old school originals. Yeah. Sorry. Um, <laughs> type of stuff Azul does not care about. <laughs> not really my cup of tea. So we can move on to, I think the other new cards are released. So the, all the cards have now been released for, a snow hazard and clay burst and that'll make up a majority of our sv2 set uh paldea evolved alongside the cards that uh were printed in triple beat so how does japan set work they got triple beat and then they got two sets in clay burst and snow hazard at the same time why don't they get the sets i thought they got the sets separately but they're, they're getting clay burst and snow hazard at the exact same time no they usually get two sets at the exact same time and then when they come out for us it's combined into one thing so like uh -oh. the, the oh, triple but they also beat have stuff, more stuff like triple beat then triple beat is like a mini set for them okay so it's, that's it's what they get much smaller this is a mainline set but yeah. anytime they do main sets for the last several years it's always been two accompanying sets side by side oh okay and then we get like one of their small sets plus their two main sets in our set right for the most part yeah and then uh, sometimes stuff gets to... like placed in random other different places as well yeah, so so we're not guaranteed to get all this stuff but That's we'll right. probably get most of it um <clears throat> i think the number one card to talk about to start with is the and we kind of didn't see this um this is we kind of we're kind of waiting for this when we talked about the other snowburst clay uh or <laughs> clay burst snow hazard cards is the wuchi <laughs> nex um to go alongside the pouchian and <laughs> tinglu right you're trying really hard pouchian is a new one no wuchian is the new one no you just made up a new one pouchian <laughs> Oh well, no, no, that's not a new one, but that's the no. It's Chien Pao. It's Chien Pao. Oh, Chien Pao. Yeah, <laughs> I was close. <laughs> yeah, Wu Chien, two hundred thirty HP, basic grass type for grass grass color. So the sixty damage to one of your opponent's bench Pokemon for each prize card your opponent has taken, and then for grass 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 colors, it is two hundred twenty damage. So the second attack, that's a lot of energy. The first attack isn't very good, but it can be kind of be a comeback. And we will talk about. Um, uh, a card that it probably combos with pretty well a little bit later on. But yeah, this one seems like the worst 
of the of the three to be honest yeah for sure definitely it feels a little lacking compared to the other three that we saw maybe that's why it wasn't part of the initial reveals they kind of recognized <laughs> wochians lacking a little bit but yeah it does have potential with a card we'll talk about um a little later on i'm gonna try to quickly scroll through here because we definitely don't need to talk about all these cards and we've already talked about a few of them. I don't think we talked about Slow King EX. I think that's a new one. It's a new Terra Pokemon. Um, yep. Nothing too crazy on this one, though. It's got profound knowledge for one psychic. It does 30 damage. Your opponent's active is now confused. And then Wisdom Headbutt, 130 damage for two psychic. You may search your deck for up uh, to two cards and put them into your hand if you do shuffle your deck. So, I mean, card search always seems good, but I mean, we just had... I saw someone when talking about this card mention, like, Everyone's like, oh, yeah, you get to search for two cards. And the, someone was like, we literally just had Togekiss EX or VMAX yeah. <laughs> in the format for forever, which never saw play. And it was better than this because it was colorless. It had free retreat. Like, <laughs> there's so much more going for it. Um, and yeah, yeah, people tried to make it work a couple times, but it was not definitely not quite it. And I don't think Slow King is going to be it either. Um, a cool potential control card actually a couple control cards coming up here next potentially the first one is the gothitelle yeah stage two with the astrology ability once in your turn you may look at the top two cards of your opponent's deck if you do put one of them on the top of the deck and put the other one on the bottom of the deck so it gives you some top deck control from your opponent or on your opponent um so if you combo this with some kind of hand lock you know or like board lock you like trap something in the active without energy to attack with or stop something from retreating in the active mm-hmm. and you can control their top deck you know, you can make it so they can maybe never get to the cards they need to move that Pokemon. Of course, you do need to have some kind of active win condition through milling them or something. Um, but yeah, there's some potential for control here at some point. We just saw Sander, you know, last format before rotation playing Orb Beetle in like an Orb Beetle card war wheezing control type deck. So Gothitelle could be the the next uh, Chip Chip Ice Axe wannabe and uh, be in a control deck. Then we got a Mimikyu here with Safeguard. Prevent all damage done to this Pokemon by attacks from your opponent's Pokemon EX and Pokemon V. So yeah, this is a pretty interesting one. It's a Safeguarder for the two different Pokemon we have right now in the format, the ultra-rare Pokemon we have right now in the format. Um, I've had a lot of funny interactions with people and even like online playing uh, with Miltank in discussions where people are like, oh, why don't you just play Miltank? It auto wins Maridon. And it's like Maridon's an EX and Miltank only blocks damage from Vs. So <laughs> I literally had an opponent on TCG Live go lone Miltank against me with my Maridon deck for like uh, thinking that they had just won the game. They were just going draw pass, draw pass, draw pass. And it just took me three turns and I eventually got. I, I like needed to draw into a, the one more switch in my deck or something like that. Uh, and then I eventually just played the switch or the escape rope and knocked it out with Maridon. <laughs> it was like, okay. Lucky. Yeah. 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 I like them. You actually like cards like this in general, uh, because I think it keeps you kind of honest, right. With your deck building and stuff like that. And gives like potential for, even though like, I feel like people kind of feel like this probably about like stuff like wheezing. Um, because people kind of hate you on wheezing towards the end of last format as well. Or so if you go boost shake into wheezing, you just you could just lose because of that. It's like, yeah, sure, but it's it overall it's not that good. And you can definitely play around it. And I feel like Mimikyu is the same way, right? It's not that good. And if you play around it, you can beat it. So I feel like it just kind of makes people play uh honestly and they you know force them to play a little bit different and um can definitely consistently create situations where your opponent's like just because they don't know how to play a deck that against the card appropriately, they're just gonna lose games even if they have like a good answer. 
Um, so yeah, I always like I think cards like this in the format constantly is actually is a good thing. I know some people feel like it's a little bit like lazy card design and stuff, to just kind of have a uh, kind of answer all to like EXs or Vs or whatever. But I actually think it's good. It just keeps it feels like it keeps the format honest to have like a card like this existing. Yeah, I agree. It it also like is kind of annoying though whenever they print cards like this and then they give like the best Pokemon in the format like Duraludon V Max and Mew V Max just attacks that hit through all effects, right? Because then it's like, yeah, why are we even think, doing this? You know, yeah, I don't think the Raudon's quite as big of a uh, not anymore. Called, no. but yeah, 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 you having just Max Miracle, I think, was I just mean like with the card design, yeah, 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 yeah. mechanic sure. in general, like you're just like how they've like introduced these things. It's like, yeah, we get yeah. Mill Tank, but like the best, some of the strongest cards in the format that this would normally Please counter have just have answers to it, right? And then like yeah. Giratina V comes out and it has Shred on it, right? So, and yeah. then another thing about Mimikyu 2 is like, uh, if we get to a point where like stage two and stage one EXs are a lot more popular, um, all of those evolve from non EX Pokemon, right? So yep. theoretically, every deck has a way to do at least something to a Mimikyu, right? If they're like yeah. a stage two EX deck. Yeah, and Mimikyu's only got the 70 HP, so it yeah. wouldn't even be that hard to KO. Um, yeah, moving on. Uh, I think we could talk about... What's the next one to kind of talk about? Annihilate BX. I don't think we've talked about just a yeah, new Ultra Rare. To, I'll, let you, I'll let you handle it if you want to go Listen, over. man, we got to talk about all the Ultra Rares just real quick. I know it's not the best, but we just got to mention right, it. Go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> Stage 2 fighting type. For a fighting energy, Angry Grudge, 20 times, put up to 12 damage counters on this Pokemon. This attack does 20 damage for each damage counter you placed in this way. So for one energy, 240 is not too bad, but you do take yourself down to a low number. And then it has Seismic Toss, Fighting Colorless for 150. It is a stage two, so probably not much happening with this guy. Yeah, I don't think so. Another Pokemon, actually this Pokemon I think has a little bit more viability. It, it comes off like a bulk EX, but uh, the Kaparaja. With uh, 300 HP, it's a stage one, not a stage two. So it's a lot of HP for a stage one. Uh, and then it has the bronze body ability, which is it takes 30 less damage from attacks. So you're looking at effective 330 HP. That's pretty good. You're weak to fire, which is also a pretty good weakness right now. Um, or it has been for a little while, right? And then you have the nose quake attack from Mount Metal Colors. I never read the name of the attack until right now. It does 260 and it's 30 damage to each of your bench Pokemon, and Manaphy doesn't protect from that, so that's a little bit, eh, you don't love to see that. Um, but, you know, your other Copperages will kind of protect themselves, so uh, it's not too big of a drawback, I don't think. Setting it up can be a little bit of a problem without Metal Saucer. We did get rid of, we did lose Metal Saucer, right? So setting it up, you're looking at maybe a turn three, which seems a little bit iffy. Um, we could combo this with maybe something like a Squawker Billy or something to get there a little bit faster on your energy acceleration. Mm, sure, sure. Yeah, I mean, you could even pair this with like a Lost Zone engine potentially, right? Get to Mirage Gate. That's a true, little, yeah. A little bit more to commit to, right, as far as your draw engine goes. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think this card is pretty strong, to be honest. Effective 330 hit points on a stage one. I mean, that's that's a lot. That's That's pretty big. And it does... A lot of damage so i think this card definitely has pretty decent uh potential it's just got good stats all around it is a little clunky i think there's not like a clear-cut way for it right now and maybe yeah. when it comes out there won't be a clear-cut way for it still but this is a card that maybe a year down the line something else comes out that makes it a little better type of thing you know there's um, still arceus so you can play with arceus as well that wouldn't yeah be that terrible. is true that is true well no no, no. Uh, arceus only accelerates to V Pokemon as well. <laughs> oh, that is yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, the whole VEX thing is happening <laughs> more in more ways than just taking advantage of Miltank. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, moving along, I think we've talked about um, talked about the Dunsparce. Uh, we talked about Squawkabilly. Um, did we talk about Super Rod? 
think we did. We've talked about. Super we Rye. did, but uh, we mentioned because the translation Pokebeach had said it just like copy pasted the original translation. Yeah. Um, but Super Odd is now up to three in any combination of base Pokemon and basic energy cards. So we talked about yeah. that just a little bit. Did want to clarify that now that it's been updated. It is up to. It is not a mandatory three. So uh, yeah. I'm kind of a fan of things that give players more choice. But I understand. I think you were kind of anti the up to thing. As I well. just don't think. Like, I don't think everything needs to be up to, but they've kind of switched over to being consistently everything is up to, right? Sure. They've like eroded stuff recently, or not that like pretty recently as far as eroded going Pokemon, right? Like in the last year or whatever, mm-hmm. um, eroded older versions of. I guess it's like a new version that was coming up that that said up to, so that kind of makes sense. But yeah, it is up to. Um, I just I just don't think everything needs to be up to, but I don't think it really matters probably too much one way or the other to be honest. So it's fine. I also don't know how I feel about Super Odd getting reprint to begin with to be honest, because I was kind of liking the idea of going into a format where. The power of using your supporter for turn to recover Pokemon um, was interesting to me. Like, like how you have to kind of slow down to be like, okay, well, I got to play Clara this turn to recover Pokemon instead of playing, you know, a researcher or a judge or whatever or a boss, right? Um, so I kind of like the idea of that. I feel like it set up a better flow of the game of like knowing when you need to make those plays or even having like a stronger impact on deck building potentially. So super odd being reprinted, everything can just be more aggressive, which isn't like a bad thing either, I don't think. But I kind of like the idea of maybe being in a format for a little while where our only Pokemon recovery was supporter based. Yeah, and we will still have it for a little bit, but yeah, not not for as long as we maybe would have thought. Um, we've got Snow Mountain of Disaster. Whenever any player attaches that energy from their hand to one of their basic non-water Pokemon, put two damage counters on that Pokemon. We have the same stadium in the format right now with the old cemetery, but for psychic energy... It's something that has been okay in psychic decks before, and I think this is something that could be okay in water decks, maybe if you want that extra damage, or maybe with something like the Wochian. But passive stadiums like this, just in the past history of the game, have never been that strong. Yeah, never been great. I don't expect this one to really change anything. Yeah. Um, but one card that probably will change things is the uh, the reversal energy coming out. Uh, while it's actual Pokemon, this card only provides uh, one colorless energy. Uh, but if you have more prize cards remaining than your opponent and it's attached to an, an evolved Pokemon that doesn't have a rule box, it provides three of any type of energy. So it's basically, for anyone who's been playing for a while, it's basically Scramble Energy uh, reprinted, right? Yep. Yep, pretty much the same, uh, except that this Scramble Energy... Oh, yeah, it's on it anything. is like literally... Well, no, 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 Scramble Energy could also box. only be on Evolutions, right? Yeah, but it wasn't limited by... I guess rule boxes didn't exist back then. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, EXs did. But I think, but Scramble Energy could not be attached to EXs. So I'm pretty sure, yeah, I think it is like this. I feel like I remember someone pointing out something that was like a little different with Scramble Energy, but now I'm not, maybe I'm misremembering now, but. Oh, could Scramble Energy be even attached to, because this can be attached to non-evolution Pokemon. Oh yeah, Scramble Scramble Energy energy could not be be attached to non-evolution. Okay, yeah. So I guess a little bit more of a consistent card This thing can be attached to anything for a colorless, yeah. Yeah, I think that's probably a good thing too, because already like non-EX stage twos and stage ones like stage ones even have it worse because they're not as good like already have a pretty hard time of it right so if you can like attach a scramble energy to your basic before you research that sounds like a pretty fine Mm trade-off for having to play a scramble energy deck to begin with and we'll see how good it is when it does come out i think it's definitely some potential if not immediately like in the future for stage two non-ex decks to kind of start to see some play so that was um snow hazard we've got clay burst now 
to look at. Uh, and I think the first one here to mention is the Fortress EX, which mm -hmm. combos with the Wochian we were mentioning. It uh, is a, t a Terra Pokemon, so it can't be damaged while it's on the bench. So, yeah, that's a really cool effect. Uh, and then <laughs> explosive energy for the ability. Once during your turn, you may search your deck for up to five basic grass energy cards and attach them to your Pokemon in any way that you like. Then shuffle your deck if you search your deck in this way. This Pokemon is knocked out. So you do give up two prize cards to do this, but with cards like Iono coming into the format, with cards like the Scramble Energy, and with cards like the Wochian, I don't know. There's some potential for Fortress to see some play at some point. Yeah, like turn two Iona with that actually doesn't even seem terrible. Right? You put them to four, they take a knockout, you put them to two. Like you just kind of play a really aggressive game where you hope that not that you'd like win if people got to efficiently use their cards, but you just hope you win because your opponent never got to see enough cards to actually play the game, right? Yeah, and like this reminds a lot of people probably of Electrode EX if you've been playing for a very long time. Electrode EX from Fire Red Leaf Green. It had pretty much the same ability except it attached from your discard pile i believe so this is almost even better right being able to pull them from the deck um but it is limited to grass energy electrode could get any energy from your discard pile which i guess yeah. is the same as the electro gx as well a little bit more recently electro gx was never great it got played every once in a while but electro ex was a really really strong card in a lot of strategies um mainly involving the, uh... tyranitar yeah, most recently they just had the electrode itself, right? Search your deck for two lightning. That's something yeah, they changed yeah. up with these. That one wasn't very good at all. Yeah, that's something they changed up with these like sacrifice Pokemon where you give your opponent that knocks itself out, you give your opponent prize cards, is that it searches the deck instead of like discard top five, top seven, whatever, right? Um well because with electrode EX discarded top X, right? No, um, no, no. That's electrode prime. Up. That's electrode prime. Oh, okay. Electrode, electrode EX. EX pulled them from your discard pile. So it was whatever energy oh, you had discarded throughout the course different. Of the game. Okay. So that's okay, why it's it really like different. good. That's why it yeah, was Yeah, they've done good. different quite a few times then. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, yeah. So next one is that belly bolt, which is a lot of people's like <laughs> I think a lot of people like this Pokemon in general. It's a funny looking one for sure. Um he's a, he's got a an EX card guy. Now. Yeah, it's got an EX card now. 280 HP, so pretty Pretty good amount of HP. It is a stage one, so that's pretty good for a stage one, I feel like. Uh, jump press for two colors for CDM showing your opponent's Pokemon. Meh, who cares? Then lightning, lightning colors 160, discard two lightning from this Pokemon. If you do, your opponent's active is now paralyzed. So actually, I think that's pretty decent, right? 280 HP, you're two hit KOing, like everything with paralyzed bowl, and then you're kind of locking it down for a turn, potentially, and forcing your opponent to kind of get an answer to that. So playing this alongside Flaffy uh, seems like it could, there actually could be something there, especially if we're going into like a more heavy, like if we get into a meta where it's less one prize Pokemon. I think something like Belly Ball could actually stand up. So I guess like I don't think you're getting one hit KO back that often with 280. Yeah. We've also got cards like Electric Generator in the format to accelerate to the bench to lightning Pokemon, right? So yeah, Belly Bolt seems okay. Um this is what I've always said about paralysis. It's the best status condition in the game. So anytime something can automatically paralyze your opponent's active Pokemon, it's worth just kind of at least keeping in mind for the future, right? Yeah, keep a note of it for sure um the next one i think is worth talking about uh at least briefly here is the wiggly tough stage one it's got the balloon therapy ability once during your turn you may attach a therapy energy from your hand to one of your pokemon and their energy therapy energy is a new special energy coming out that provides one colorless energy we'll read the rest of it later but i think that could be interesting in some decks that just kind of lacked energy acceleration and then all of a sudden that's just like that little bit that decks maybe need to become viable or competitive so yeah i think it's definitely something like worth 
kind of uh, trying out for sure when it comes out and remembering as new sets release as well. It's like, oh, I'm always just like a couple energy short from like being able to keep up with this deck that I have. Oh, wait, I could just play like a wiggly tough line with some therapy energy. Yeah, it's something to maybe think about, but it is, I mean, that does involve adding a stage one to your deck and then now it's something else you have to try to sh uh to set up on turn one so it's maybe a little too clunky it kind of reminds me right now of like react energy it was this energy card that like yeah. didn't do anything except be a react energy and then there was like a couple things that worked with it right um mm -hmm. therapy energy is maybe a little bit better than that but yeah we'll talk about yeah. it later uh we can move on to the tinkaton ex well hold on I'm oh does... spirit tomb here I think we do we not talk spirit about tomb. spirit tomb in the past I don't think so. Okay. We'll mention it real fast here, though. 60 HP, basic Pokemon, Pitch Black, Doom. As long as this Pokemon is in play, basic V Pokemon have no abilities, both yours and your opponent. So it feels like they're trying to pretty aggressively push V Pokemon out with stuff like Spiritomb and just be like, mm, Mew's kind of cool, but it's been cool too. It's been too cool for too long. Here's Spiritomb to make sure it stops being cool, right? Yeah. Stuff like that. So definitely, uh, yeah, really good against V Pokemon. And I don't mind this, to be honest. I don't mind cards like coming out like this to be like, instead of having to wait for a rotation for EXs to really kick in, if they just give us a couple cards like this to really deal with some of the heavy hitting V Pokemon uh, and we get to play EXs sooner, I actually don't mind stuff like Spirit Tomb being printed, to be honest. Uh, yeah. Spirit Tomb seems okay. I think that Mew, they, they've already printed enough stuff to try to hate on Mew that <laughs> at this point it feels a little like it's overkill, but. Yeah, I already feel like he's in a bad spot, but yeah. Go ahead and Tinkaton. Yeah, Tinkaton, here we come. Stage two, Psychic-type Pokemon, 300 hit points with the Humongous Hammer, 30 damage. It does 30 damage times the number of cards in your hand. And then Pulverizing Press, 140 for a Psychic and two colorless, not affected by any effect on your opponent's active Pokemon. This one doesn't seem great, um, especially, you know, I mean, Humongous Hammer, like these type of large hand size attack damage output attacks have like existed before i mean 30 times is like a lot right that that can ramp up pretty quick but with cards like iono coming out in the format it's going to be kind of tough to keep a large hand size to do a lot of damage with this yeah definitely definitely not going to be a great one could be a good meme though um but we'll move on to something that has a little bit more potential i think a little bit of fringe potential which is the noivern ex uh 260 hp stage one of course colors colors 70 damage in your points like turn prevent all damage this pokemon by attacks from basic pokemon Okay, interesting attack with that one. Not going to be super viable, I think, when EX is stage one, stage two seems so good, but you never know. In the right meta, right, to counter a specific thing, it is two colorless yeah. as well. Yeah, so you could play it as like a 1-1 a one, one line and just beat every basic attacking. When Reggie's come, makes a comeback eventually, whatever. <laughs> um, we got the Neuvern. And then uh, Dominant Echo for Psychic Dark. 140, turn, they can't play any special energy or stadium cards from their hand. So this is Chaos Wheel reincarnate after Chaos Wheel was already reincarnated on a Noivern V, I want to say. No, GX. Um, so Chaos Wheel's back. But I feel like there's too much energy acceleration in the format currently. But if things slow down eventually and special energy, when you get more special energy for special energy decks to kind of make a little bit more of a comeback, I don't think it'll be good enough on its own. Like Noivern would need a partner. So going back to like, you know, Tina Toad, we need Neuvern something to actually make it potentially viable. But I feel like... Neuvern uh, Burnett, baby, some... let's get it. Come on now. <laughs> That's true. There definitely is some fringe potential, though, I think, for sure. Yeah, this one seems... It's, it's fine. I don't think there's anything amazing here. But, you know, who knows? With cards that come out in the future, maybe there's something a little stronger. Another card to mention is the Flamigo. Is this the one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. With the Flock Together ability... 
Uh, you get to search deck for three Flamigo and put them in your hand when you bench it. And then it has the Wings of Union attack for two colorless. 20 damage. This attack does 20 damage times the number of Pokemon in your discard pile that have the Wings of Union attack. And there are four. Is that right? Right now? Yeah. It is unfortunately just three. Okay. It's Flamigo, Murkrow, and then I think there's a kill a wa- not a kill a watchroll what's the just watchroll watchroll is the little guy yeah i think it's just three unfortunately right now so you're not doing very much damage because as you know anyone who's played for a little bit uh you know this is you know lost march this is night march this is mad party right <laughs> but it doesn't seem as good when there's only three things with wings of union but we might get some more i think it is possible right um but that ability any of those decks would kill for an ability like flock together <laughs> yeah yeah it's insane yeah it just gets all your guys out of the deck so that you can just research them away or ultra ball them away like super 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 good and the fact that it's on maybe one of the ones you want to attack with i mean it does also worth noting have 110 hp um which is a bit more than uh, what we would be used to with this type of deck right these are usually like the glass cannon right with the joltig being 30 hit points the uh bunno b being 40 hit points the sinistry being 60 hit points this is the most hp we've seen on one granted 110 isn't really surviving too much but you know worth noting yeah they're not going to be able to get like a cheeky turn two knockout in some situations for sure so um but yeah they'll need a couple more pokemon with you can i think to make it uh to make it work uh, moving on to the trainer section, we've talked about Ono before. I, we mentioned Bro, you, Courage, you, you, I we're not calling well. it Ono. It is Iono. <laughs> it is Iono. Moving on. <laughs> moving on. Um, so what is new here that we haven't talked about before? I think it might just be the therapy energy, right? I think yeah, that wilderness of disaster. disaster, but yeah. it's Yeah, so therapy energy mentioned before combos with the Wigglytuff. Um, and then it removes a sleep confusion and paralyze from the Pokemon it's attached to. So I think we'll definitely see this included as at least probably a one of in Lugia decks. Um, and besides that, obviously, any Wigglytuff deck that's trying to use the Wigglytuff for energy acceleration. Um, but I think it'll probably stop there for the most part. Pretty weak special energy overall. We never see these special condition control and special energies to ever be that good. Yeah, it could be a situation of like played as a one or two of in a deck if there's like a paralysis deck that's really good, right? Like, yeah. Um, you know, well. you mentioned Lugia specifically, but you know, anything that could make use of it, um, to be honest. Like, this reminds me a lot of Heal Energy, which was very similar back in the ex era so i mean we're seeing a lot of themes coming back from the the original ex era which is kind of cool i guess makes sense right since it's the new ex era yeah yeah definitely does uh sorry i don't know if i i don't think i muted the right (laughs) you did not (laughs) well i don't know you might have muted for them but you did not mute for me (laughs) i don't think i muted for anyone we all uh, just yeah, got bodied by Azul's nose right there. <laughs> we can move on and talk about that. Yeah, that comes with all the new cards that we haven't talked about quite yet on the cast. And um, we got EUIC coming up, of course, but we've already had some tournaments in this format. So we're going to take a look at some of those first, starting with I don't remember the name of this one, Chip. What is this first one we're going to take a look at? This was the Suryabi, uh, Suribaya, Baya, I think is how you say it. Uh, okay. Regionals that took place in Indonesia, Regional mm-hmm. League um and shout outs to deddy wong who actually tagged us on twitter in some results from this event um yes i don't think we know the exact placements of everything but the finals was lugia single strike v-star mirror that's right um and then the rest of top eight was two guardi ex two arctina one fusion mew and then one lawsome box with kyogre so uh lugia 
I mean, this is what we can compare. I think like this is what has kind of been a trend recently. It's just Lugia's just been doing better and better. Yeah, it almost feels like we're in a position where we're moving from one format where Lugia was BDIF into another format where Lugia could be BDIF. It's definitely one of the strongest decks um, and seems like it has, I don't know, It's it almost feels like it needs less to get going than it needed before you know it's like or it's like you play yeah. less cards it's like you need more but you almost have to play less cards to do it i don't know i've just had many games where i've played this lugia single strike deck where literally it's just like i bench lugia and then uh pass and then the next turn i just go luminion for burnett discard the two guys and then Mesagoza for my v star and then without even really doing much i feel like i'm attacking and ready to go i don't know yeah, I mean, I think it was that way before, but you just have less options now, so it's not like you're overthinking, ooh, do I Raikou here? Do I save my Yvitol? You're just like, well, I can attack with Lugia. All right, I'll attack with Lugia, right? Like, I feel like you just have less options, so that's kind of the... <laughs> that's kind of the, uh, the reason to go with that. But yeah, I think two things to just kind of take note of here is Lugia, both in the finals, and then Arctina, as well, has been a deck that's been kind of trending upwards as of late. Um, two of those in top eight as well. Guardi's being up there is no surprise. Uh, and then I guess a little bit overall lack of Lost Box in top eight. There's still one with the Kyogre, which is not kind of, the, I don't think that's really the go-to right now as a Kyogre. So um, yeah, those are like my takeaways from this, uh, from these top eight, from this top eight, um, these top eight placements. Also the, 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 the mat is super sick. I should mention that as well. That is really cool. Yeah. A unique artwork as well. I don't think that this artwork exists anywhere besides this. Mat. I actually could be wrong about that now that I'm kind of looking at it again, but. I mean, it's cool. It is very cool. It'd be cool. Very cool. Yeah. It, it is definitely, definitely it's definitely at least like not just the pack artwork blown up onto a playmat, yeah. right? <laughs> Which to be fair, a lot of those like I do think like I, I do like the way a lot of the regional mats look. Um but oh, like it is it's kind of just like the, the artwork that we're fine. used to seeing, right? It'd be cool if it was yeah. something unique. Yeah. Um the other result for us to take a look at is the uh Champions League Miyagi that happened over in Japan. Um so Maridon did take down the whole thing and we can talk about that in a second and then besides that we had seven lugias in the top 16 and i think they played to a top 16 cut if i'm not uh mistaken i think there. so yeah uh arctina had a placement as 2500 well players place. of this as well by the way 2, yeah 25 players definitely worth mentioning yeah 2500 players and then there were, there, in this one there was three lost box in top eight but none of them made it past the top eight um but looking at uh Maridon hasn't been doing very much at all. Oh, there was also Maridon Flaffy in top 16 as well. So there was two, there was two Maridons, but the uh, Maridon Reggie Leckie was the uh, the overall winner of the tournament. And Maridon hasn't really been doing anything in this format, I feel like, at these major tournaments. Uh, and this build was pretty unique, I feel like, in the fact that it had a 2-1 Magnazone V-Star in it. Yeah, the Magnazone V-Star, definitely unique. I mean, this deck doesn't, besides using Forest Sealstone, have a V-Star power. Um, and Magnazone is a card that I think does make some sense in here. It's first attack magnetic grip is not too bad. 180 and search your deck for up to two item cards, put them into your hands. But it's Electro Star V Star Power. If your opponent does not get Manaphy down quickly, um, I mean, this is really good against Gardevoir. It's really good against Lost Box, right? The problem is, is that it can just be kind of answered by the Manaphy, right? But it's almost like, I guess you could, if you deal with the Manaphy. Uh, uh, well, hold on. I feel like you don't know what the V does. The V's first attack switches one of your opponent's bench Pokemon with their active and then does 40 damage to the new active Pokemon. Oh, so Magnazone yeah, V yeah. just okay. KOs Manaphy. Sure. Um, and that's why I think they play a 2-1, right? So they can go consistently find Magnazone V early. 
uh, and even maybe go back to back like Magnezone V, they get that KO. Maybe your Magnezone V gets returned KO'd, you KO that Pokemon, but now you have that second Magnezone V to become the V star to then clean up two prize cards uh, and get ahead in the prize trade later. Um, so yeah, the Magnezone V into V star combo uh, is pretty cool. It's definitely interesting. Uh, and it definitely seems like they probably had to go through a couple lost boxes. There's three lost boxes in top eight. <clears throat> so there's a good chance that they played against one of them. I'm not sure what they played against in top eight, but uh, it's a pretty popular deck in general. So they probably beat a couple throughout the tournament. I'm sure Magnezone was a pretty big reason for that. Um, yeah, so definitely an interesting inclusion. I've been seeing a lot on the, the ladder as well recently on PDCG Live. The Magnezone version. Yeah, it's definitely yeah. cool. Definitely. And this is what I'm talking about, right? Or what you were talking about, I guess, is like just people innovating and even just like adding a magnezone v star to this deck like maybe makes it all that much better right yeah i guess one thing we should also mention though is this format is not quite the same as ours they do have triple beat so they have jet energy they have um luminous energy they also have the stadium that searches for a basic pokemon from your deck um uh, i think it's mostly the only cards that i really played but it did bring around a different kind of build of lugia that didn't get second place, and I think the overall most dominant build of Lugia in this top 16 uh, was still single strike Lugia. It might be like five to two, but the other two um, are a kind of colorless build of Lugia. Uh, some of them included the Luminous Energy plus Radiant Charizard again, and some of them just were just like full-on colorless Lugia for Jet Energy, and they started including the Weird Deer V that can pretty much just want to KO anything uh, after you accelerate enough energy to play with the Archeops. Yeah, Weirdier gets in there. It also has the Snorlax, right, where it's just a really strong hitter. And then if it goes to sleep and stays asleep, you just boom, Jet Energy, something's the active, manually retreat back into Snorlax, and you can attack again. So, yeah, a lot of cool things going on with the colorless version of Lugia. I do, yeah, like you said, think Single Strike is probably a little bit better. And I don't, did you watch yeah. the finals of this tournament, Azul, or have you watched no. anything from it? Yeah, the <laughs> so the, the Regieleki guy got... Um, or the Maridon guy got turn one Raikou rope KO only Lugia to just like pretty much win the game from there. So it was, yeah. a, it was a pretty quick finals. Was it just best of one or is that just, yeah, like it's best the... of one. It's best of one. Oh, really? I didn't know it was best of one. What the <laughs> man? <laughs> yeah. The best of one stuff. I'm not a huge fan of that. I think it's something that Japan should change. Um, I did mm -hmm. talk to someone who actually, um, who is, uh, you know, is very much knows about their scene and stuff. And they said one of the reasons is that they just want tournaments to get done in time for people to take, like one of the things is just to be able to make them be able to take public transit back home. Um, so they don't want tournaments running too long, I think is one of their reasons for doing best of one over best two out of three. Sure. But um, I think it would be cool to see them make it work somehow to get best two out of three involved in their scene. Cause I think it would definitely add a, another level of, um, it makes it more competitive as a level of consistency for like, you know, the top players and so on. And then we've got a few different lost box lists here in top eight. Looks like this one's just kind of, I haven't looked at any of these two in depth yet as well. I don't know if you have yet, but we've got the Zamazenta build. We've got the Dragonite build, um, Sky Seal, Forest Seal, all that stuff. Kind of just different yeah, options. Nothing... This one this one list does have the Artisan, that new stadium that lets you yeah. search for the basic. The Jet Energy is pretty good for lost box as well, it feels like. Yeah, nothing too crazy. Jet energy is like interesting because it takes away your energy return. So if you're still playing like a Mirage Gate build, you can't like attach jet and then use like a single Mirage Gate to attack with a Snorlax or Urban Ninja or whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the builds had quad, quad uh, cross switchers in it, which was interesting, but they were cutting it down to like two escape rope, which I really don't like the idea of. It also had canceling clones. Um, so it was an interesting build for sure. Um, but yeah, I don't have too much else to say. I think on any of these lists really, uh, of course they are playing like a little bit of a different formats than us, but not too 
different. So I think it's still a pretty good indication of the or like what uh, what is good overall in our format still as well. Like we see Lugia doing well. The Maradon did squeak in, get that dub in first place. And if the Magneto truly is enough to give you a 50-50 or better against Lost Box, maybe that is just the way to go with Maradon from here. Because I do feel like Maradon's other matchups, uh, like the Mew matchup, uh, the Guardian matchup, like all those matchups still, like they do kind of feel fine. The Lugia matchup hasn't felt great. Single strike Lugia at the very least. But you said, yeah, when you get the Terminal Escape Rope knockout, you're going to be feeling pretty good. But um, yeah, but yeah, I don't really have anything else to, to mention on any of these unless you saw something else you wanted to bring up. Yeah, I mean, we've got the one Guardian here, one Mew. Are you talking about the Lost Box or just this top 16 in general? Oh, top 16 in general. Yeah, I'm kind of like, it's, there's not too much that stands out to me. Yeah. Yeah, we can go ahead and move on and we'll talk more about some specifics as we chat about our meta predictions for euic but for now we can take a moment and do everyone's favorite segment of the podcast guess that flavor text of course the game azul and i play every single week where one of us picks a card reads the flavor text from it and has the other host try to guess what pokemon card we are reading if you get it right you get four points but you can use some lifelines you lose points every lifeline you use but it makes it a little bit easier for you what set is the card from what stage is the card and read an attack name. That's the three different lifelines you can use. It is my turn to pick this week. I believe I am currently one point behind Azul after coming through in the clutch last week, just like I always do. And we'll see if uh, Azul can get this one Wait, did or you get not. The, did you get the one last week? I think so. What was that? I don't think you did. I think the, I the one like Lillipup? Oh, no. I think we are tied because you got Wooper, right? Oh, Wooper was last week. That's right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We are tied. Are yeah, we tied yeah, now? Yeah, yeah. I feel like we are tied now because you got Wooper. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, okay. But it's, see, it took me two weeks. I got one point each to just tie you, and you've just gotten a couple of goose eggs a few weeks in a row. So <laughs> this is what we're kind of used right. to at this point. <laughs> well, let's see if I can pull ahead once again here. What do you got for me this week, Chip? All right, here we go. Such a thick shell of wood covers its head and back that even a direct hit from a trunk wouldn't phase it. All right, go ahead and go one more time. Such a thick shell of wood covers its head and back that even a direct hit from a truck wouldn't phase it. Such a thick shell of wood uh, covers its head and its back. I mean, I'm thinking of... For some reason, I was, I was like thinking of like tree Pokemon, but I don't know if it's a tree Pokemon. So I did say I did I did say trunk. I meant truck. A direct okay, hit truck, from a yeah. truck. Yeah, I got that one. The second yeah, one. yeah, yeah. So it's got a thick shell of wood around it. I'm thinking Sudowoodo, but for some reason I know Sudowoodo is not a tree. Like I've been through this before. We're like, yo, Sudowoodo is a tree, and then like, no, it's not. It's like, oh, it's actually not. So I don't think it's Sudowoodo. It <laughs> Azul never played the Pokemon video games for anyone who's curious. Yeah. Because that is <laughs> a whole plot. Like... That is a whole plot line in the second generation of <laughs> Everyone's games. like, of course Sudowoodo is not a tree. <laughs> so, okay. So I don't think it's Sudowoodo. Um, I'm trying to think of Pokemon that just have wood on them, around them. And you said like a shell, which is like interesting. Um, I can't quite come up. Oh, now that you say that, though, I am thinking about Wuchien because Wuchien looks like, but it we only have the ex of Wuchien, so it can't be Wuchien. Yeah, and it's also not out um, in English. I think we're we, we, with this are game. Are we just, ourselves to? Yeah, yeah. It should just be these, okay. cards that have come out in English. Yeah. 
trying to think about some other Pokemon in the current uh, or that have come out recently, Scarlet and Violet. I can't think of anything. So I think I'm going to go with what set the card is from. This usually gives me like a pretty good. This, it does help me a little bit to kind of get like a good. Yeah. Like I can like pick from like a time a time frame. I can't like walk in like you do sometimes off of what set the card is from, but it does let me pick like I know generally. It helps you more than you initially thought it helped you. Yeah, definitely. So let's go with what's what's set the card is from. It is from XY Breakthrough. XY Breakthrough. Oh my gosh. I that was no a really clue. good competitive set, by the way. Yeah, I remember. What was it? I don't remember. Was it, is that what got Greninja? Greninja came for Breakthrough, right? Greninja was in a Breakpoint. Breakthrough oh. had like Zork and Zork Break. And then. Um, oh, like the Break. Oh, yeah, that's right. Break, Break. Yeah. But the Mewtwo EX and Mega Mewtwo EXs were in there as well. Was that. Did Trevenant come out? Trevenant's a tree? Did Trevenant? I don't know if Trevenant came on that set. Right, let's go with what stage the card is. It is a basic. Okay, so it's not Trevenant. Although Phantom, is Phantom like a little ghost or is it also a tree? No, I think Phantom is a ghost that haunts a tree when it becomes Trevenant. Um, I'm pretty sure. Man, I'm like completely tapped out on this one. A thick trunk. You're going to say it too, and I'll probably be like, oh, okay, that's like makes sense. Like, I, not that I couldn't believe that I couldn't think about it, but Oh man. This one's a little hard, I'll say. This one does seem kind of thick. All right, go ahead. Read it one more time. Such a thick shell of wood covers its head and back that even a direct hit from a truck wouldn't phase it. Man. All right, let's, I'm going to read an attack name and see if this helps. I'll give you the easier attack name because you're struggling. You don't have to. You don't no, have to. I, Maybe that. I will. Seed Bomb. Okay. Ooh, see, I know I've read Seed Bomb before. That could be Phantom. No, because it's not Trevenant because it's a basic. Is Phantom in? I feel like Phantom's just like a little ghost, though. I don't think he's in like a stump or like any part of a tree. Maybe I should guess Phantom, though. I think that's all like Seed Bomb. Definitely read some Seed Bomb attacks in my day. What, are, what other grass Pokemon are there? I'm thinking. I'm just thinking of random ones. Cricketoons, grass. I'm gonna <laughs> wood shell. Cricketoons a bug, bro. Yeah, but what are the wood? Wood shell. All yeah, right. I'm just, Phantom. Little... I'm just gonna lock in Phantom on this one. It is unfortunately not Phantom. Phantom is in break point, not breakthrough. There could have and been it also is like a ghost that's. Uh, inhabits like a, a tree stump. No, yeah, that's what I thought. Pokemon is Chespin. Oh my god, Chespin Azul! Come on, man. <laughs> I would have never guessed that Chespin. Hey, I'm gonna look up a picture of Chespin now. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, oh, I guess what, like what bark? The green stuff? <laughs> it has to be right. I guess. I guess that's bark. That's ch- dude. Yeah, I was never guessing guessing Chespin. That one was never happening. Yeah, I gave you the seed bomb for the attack name instead of work, which was the other attack name, just work. Uh-oh. Yeah, I, would, I don't think I would ever got that. All right, well. Better luck next week, Azul. Better <laughs> luck next week. And next week, by the way, actually, I guess not better luck to you, better luck to me because it's my opportunity <laughs> to pull back ahead. Let's get it, baby. It's been a while, but yeah, you have an opportunity here. Um, but yeah, lackluster week for me on the Guess That Flavor Text, but it's all right. We'll move on big tournament this weekend huge tournament i guess one thing we could talk about is a little bit about the tournament in general it's in london again i still have yet so somebody in the conversation has got to help me out here i'm in london i still have yet to eat at a single place in london where i've been like oh i i would go to this place again um <laughs> no there is actually one place there's like this this like food truck kind of type restaurant it's like a restaurant in a, in a truck 
Um, but it's close to the venue, actually. The pizza there is pretty good. Are you staying uh, but, near the Excel Center? Yeah. You gotta uh, go. But like, I ventured out. I ventured out. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I ventured out multiple times. Um, I remember like when I was coming here for Worlds, I was like, hmm. I was like, people were people. I feel like always the meme. The meme is that British food is just terrible. Um, and I saw that meme, you know, coming up again as Worlds was coming around. And I was like, hmm, I don't remember it being like that bad last the last two times I was here. But then I got here for Worlds, and everywhere I went, it was just like mid everything besides that pizza place the pizza place is pretty good <laughs> but like um i've already been to a couple places different new places um since i've been here this time still haven't found another place besides that pizza place where i'd go back to um the only other thing that i've like enjoyed has been like the, i mean the fish and chip shops are pretty good but like um you can only get fish and chips there so you're kind of limited but uh in the comment section here on youtube i know we got some european listeners there's probably people who are not european who've been to london before what are some of your favorite places to get food because, yeah, I think the, the, uh, there's some truth to every meme, right? So the meme that <laughs> food sucks, there's some truth to it. You know, it's a little bit harder. To, there's some good stuff out there, I'm sure. It's a little bit harder to find, you know, than some other major cities I've been to. But I know it exists, but I haven't found it yet. So Have you uh, ever Isaiah heard the... Uh... Me, Isaiah Williams has been telling me that I'm wrong. And there's a bunch of good places that he's been to. So I'm going to ah. follow him around for food this week. But, um, but yeah, if anyone anyone knows any good places, let me know in the comment section here on YouTube for sure because I, I like London overall. Like I'm a big fan of like old architecture and stuff, so um, I always love coming here. But I haven't been able to have the most uh, enjoyable sp- experience with food yet. But um, yeah, back at the Excel Center once again. I'll be, I probably won't be at London next year though. I would imagine. I think they'll switch it up finally, right? Yeah, who knows? Honestly, um, I would have. I was kind of surprised that it was going back to London after well, Worlds actually, I was just that, there, right? Yeah. Well, I missed the last EUIC, but that was in Frankfurt. Frankfurt. Okay, so they did. They did Germany twice and then brought it back to London. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think they'll switch it up probably next year. So it's actually not that big of a deal that they brought it to London. Yeah, we'll see. I guess they did just have Worlds here, though. So it does that? I guess that does feel a little bit. I'm sure a little repetitive for sure, I guess, especially for the people who are like traveling, you know, yeah, making the like, I mean, for like NAIC, we go to the Midwest every single year. So I don't, I don't really like, I just kind of know that's happening. I'm sure for the European players, they're kind of like for the ones that actually make it out of Europe to the other state ICs, you know, they like to see it switch up. But if it's in London every time, they're probably a little bit fine with that as well. Like I, like if they put it somewhere else in the US, I wouldn't really care. So if it's in the Midwest every time, I'm kind of fine with that, I guess. But um <clears throat> But I yeah, I didn't have anything else with that. Go ahead. <laughs> oh, yeah, I want help, to help us all find got, something to eat. We've got, help us all find something to eat. That's yeah, we got eighteen hundred. Let me look it up right now while I'm talking. We got, I think, about eighteen hundred uh, TCG players at this, which is huge. This will be the biggest IC ever outside of NAIC, um, and this will be bigger than last NAIC probably. I've got nineteen hundred, eighteen ninety-five TCG players. Is it not going to be probably bigger than any NAIC? Oh, could it be? What's the, what's the biggest NAIC ever? I think the biggest one is like 15-something. That's close. It'll be I'm going to look it up. Because right? it's 19. If it was 15, that's 400 difference. But then we've got no-shows, juniors, seniors. It'll be close. This could be the biggest IC ever, actually. And I actually expect this IC. Actually, I was something I was going to talk about as well. Uh, we could have put this in the prediction. But I actually think America like might be the second most represented country at EUIC this year there are so many american players going uh and north american players even going to uic it's actually kind of crazy and i actually think that's part of that is because you know people are trying to get their invites um so you know people are trying to make that trip over i see it's a lot it feels a lot more reasonable to get points at ic's than regional sometimes 
Uh, but I think also a lot of people are just got, because of that, people are going out of their way to like look up how much is it to go to EUIC. Uh, and it's really, especially if you're on the East Coast, like I remember, it's probably a little bit more expensive nowadays, but the first EUIC I went to, I think my flight was like $350. Um, so <laughs> yeah, really it's only... definitely more than that. But <laughs> I mean, my, my flight was $600 from the West Coast this time. So Really? Oh, geez. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so I don't think it's, it's not, it's just really not that expensive to get to. To, to London, as I think as, as far as people know, the only real, I think the big strain for some people would just be the time commitment, right? Sure. You have to like take Thursday off as well as potentially Friday if you're working. Um, but you can fly back Sunday pretty pretty reasonably most of the time because it's only finals on Sunday. So then you can get back to work on Monday, whereas in some regional is something you might not have been able to. So um, yeah, I just think it's like EUIC is a lot more reasonable than a lot of people have known about previously. And but people went out of their way this year to try and see if they could get to EUIC. And they're like, oh, all right, it's actually not that not that hard to get there. Um, a lot of direct flights, not as expensive as you know some of the other ICs for sure, and pretty reasonable, I think overall. So I think EUIC will be the second biggest tournament of the year behind NAIC every year from here on out, or that's what I'd predict. Yeah, well, I think this tournament as well. Part of it was people did not we didn't know that league cups and challenges were coming yeah, yeah, back part of it's that people are trying to get their invites still and the ic's give so many points right but yeah i mean i think people were also excited to play the new set there's so many factors it's almost maybe yeah, a situation a of, of like a perfect storm of factors that just lead to this one being as big and maybe it will continue to be large in the future I but it's it probably will, yeah. more specifically if it's like in london right like if we move to some other country that might be part of it as well like it might be yeah, London just specifically maybe is what is the cheap part to fly to, right? Because it is such a massive city. That's true. Maybe that maybe that's why they'll maybe that's why they brought it back home. Maybe that's why they'll keep it in London from here on out. They're just like, well, it's just going to become Fair. the new Indiana slash Columbus for EYC from here on out. We just have to deal with it. Yeah, I which mean, I don't think London is ever, quite a bit cooler kind of... than Columbus or Indianapolis. So. Yeah, <laughs> as far as like it's convenient for European players. Which if you're a European player, how convenient is it in general? For, to get to london right um, but if it is that convenient for european players and that convenient for the rest of the world to get to like maybe london is just a spot to keep it right like maybe that should be the take priority over like a cool new city maybe the priority should just be convenience for the general player base which it seems like london might be the city all right Azul. let's talk about the meta let's talk about this tournament we've got the new set legal scarlet violet we've got the ex cards all of these things We've got a few tournaments to go off of. We've talked about all the events so far that have happened IRL over in Japan and other parts of Asia um, with the Scarlet and Violet cards legal, but there's also been a ton of online events from the past week and a half or so of people playing on TCG Live, um, playing in these online events. So based on all of that, all of everything that we've seen and kind of how we've seen the meta already take form and start to shift a little bit, what would you call in this format, the BDIF? What is the best deck, or is it maybe too early to to identify one deck as the best? I mean, I think you could always give something the label, like giving something the label of BDIF, even in the moment. And it's kind of like, uh, if, if you say it's a BDIF, I think it's between like BDIF for a format and BDIF for meta, right? Like last format, the BDIF was Lugia, and it was possible we could have actually got to a point where Lugia wasn't the most played deck, it never happened. But even if something else was the most played deck in a tournament, you would still call Lugia the BDIF, right? No one would ever contest that. Um, so you can always call something like just kind of the current BDIF, what seems to be the BDIF, depending on how the meta currently is shaped, right? Because if like Lost Box is super popular right now and it makes, um, you know, 
some other kind of build of deck PDIF because it has a really good Lost Box matchup. As soon as Lost Box dies off, then all of a sudden a new deck could rise up, and then all of a sudden that deck probably isn't BDIF anymore because it can't beat up on Lost Box as consistently as it was before, right? So I think the current deck I would label BDIF is probably Lugia. Like, I played with a decent amount of the new decks. Lugia seems super powerful, even post-rotation. Um, lost a lot of its options, but it kept a lot of its power in terms of just the... Uh, the kind of stuff it can just to kind of set up an attack with through the acceleration of Archeops turn to turn still pretty ridiculous. Um, and we've seen it in the results as well. Like Lugia keeps doing better and better and winning more and more. Right. So yeah, looking I at the Lugia, yeah, looking at the online event results as well. Lugia is currently the third most played deck online, but of the top 10 or so decks. Yeah. Top 10 decks. And really, I mean, we probably have to scroll pretty far down to find something with a higher win rate. Lugia does have <laughs> the highest win rate of all the top decks right now. Yeah. Um, which, I mean, I don't think that these numbers, these are the limitless, like, online tournament results. I don't think these are necessarily, like, the perfect thing to go by, right? This is yeah, how you course. should be predicting the meta for the next IRL tournament. But it is worth taking note of, I think, for sure. And, like, there is good information to glean from this. Yeah, and I think you'd need some big tournaments like EYC or even some regionals to really have some big shakeups potentially into like showing people that certain decks are good or can compete. And as opposed to like people kind of sitting there and be like, eh, is it really that good? I think we saw that with Gujra Lost Format um, was a pretty good uh, uh, a look at that happening um, in a meta. So I think we need some some good players um, to step up or some people some with some good builds to step up and like kind of prove that these decks can compete. And that'll kind of, you know, sway the meta as well. Like no one's playing let's say, I don't know, like Shadow Riders, like one of those free decks that's been popping up a little bit. No one's really playing Shadow Rider right now, but if, it, if there's four of them in top eight at UIC, I think we're going to look at it a little bit differently, right? Um, and I think Japan's results are a little bit weird, a little bit skewed. It feels like they're a little bit disconnected from everyone else. And and even I do this as well. And I think it's fair to, I don't put as much weight in Japan's results because it is best of one. I just think that does impact the results like quite a bit. Um, so... Uh, yeah, I don't put as much weight into Japan's results. I mean, there's a lot to take from them, of course, but I always feel like I would, I would, I'm going to lean a little bit more on a top eight from EUIC than I would a Japan tournament, even if it was like on the same day. It doesn't really matter how big it is. You know, even if they have the 3,000 players, you know, EUIC versus a 3K Japan tournament, I'm going to care a little bit more about the results from EUIC just because I feel like it is a little bit more competitive with that best two out of three factor. Yeah, that's I think that's fair for sure. Um, and yeah, so you you were talking about kind of like the Shadow Rider thing of it's not a super played deck right now, but like, you know, maybe a, a good group finds a really good list and plays it and then a bunch make top eight. We almost saw that happen with EUIC last year with Urshifu, right? Like Urshifu, yeah. it was a known deck, right? Robin Schulz had won a regionals with it, but it wasn't like super high on the radar. Like people knew it existed, yeah. knew it was decent, but um everyone kind of properly identified like okay this deck is the best play for this tournament we've got the fighting type for the arceus we've got the darkness types for the mew let's just run it and it ended up being five out of the top eight spots yeah and the deck like after that it wasn't just kind of like a, okay like a shadow rider deck i could see like winning or like four, you could have four of them in top eight and then after that it's like okay you can't really play it anymore people put their tech cards in for it and you just kind of that kind of crumbles right but Urshifu like maintained, right? It's like, oh, it's just a really good deck, and oh, it's still a really good deck because you can't really tech for it, right? I think it definitely um, fell off a bit after that tournament. Well, though. yeah, it wasn't as good because it was. I think one of the big power strengths of the Urshifu deck was definitely. Um, oh yeah, people I, I can, Arceus deck started go, playing the Hoopa, right? That started. Being, yeah, people kind of had no idea how to play against yeah. it, but I think it was still a tier one deck. Like I don't think Urshifu was outside of tier one after that. Maybe it was like tier S at EUIC, and then tier one after that, right? Sure, sure. 
that's how you can look at like a meta, like for a specific meta with what people are currently on average teching for, um, or on average or how they're building their decks. Uh, at the EYT last year, Urshifu was a tier S deck. Um, and identifying that before the tournament puts you in a pretty good spot with there's like five of them in top eight or whatever, four or five. Um, and then after that, people learn the matchup. Uh, people put a couple more techs in for the matchup. It probably falls to like, you know, a tier one deck from there, right? Um, but yeah, I think Lugia, we give Lugia, I think I give Lugia. Do you have an opinion on that right now? What do you give like the current reigning BDIF, like d- this moment in the meta? Yeah, I mean, I I do agree. Lugia seems really strong. I think most people have been leaning into Lost Box as being the BDIF. Um, and Lost Box really, I mean, it lost Scoop Up Net, but other than that, it didn't lose too much. Scoop Up Net yeah. is a pretty big deal to lose, though. It's pretty good. <laughs> it's a pretty, yeah, pretty massive card. But, um, you know, I think a lot of people now are leaning into the Forest Sealstone version of the deck with it's a lot more consistent, being able to use that to search out Colrus, having this powerful V attackers um, and making it with the Lost Vacuum a little bit easier as well to get to seven cards. Because that's really where Scoop of Net was just a good consistency card, but it was really just about the early game chaining together a bunch of flower selecting so you could get to seven in the Lost Zone a little quicker. This version of the deck maybe doesn't get through the deck as quickly, but with the lost vacuums you can um you still get into that seven you can still get to that seven still activate mirage or ten yeah yeah Yeah. so yeah we got like the turbo build of lost box runner right now i guess the big difference like the what the one kind of outlier i guess of the lost box decks is i think like i would say sables art and then also like the ones that actually choose to play kyogre um are kind of the outliers right now sables art has popped up a very little bit and i think sables art actually might have the advantage in the mirror match because um, the deck is like built solely to get turn three Sableye basically now, um, so I feel like Sableye is the advantage in the mirror, but you have you lose so much power by not playing Mirage Gate, right? So you lose so much, yeah, so many options and just heavy hits by not playing Mirage Gate, which I think the number one thing right now is actually not being able to attack with Dragonite. I think Dragonite's insanely good right now, so um, yeah, you kind of lose lose that. But then when we look at the Mirage Gate builds, the big difference there is like the Sky Seal versus Forest Seal, and to be honest, I don't have too big of an opinion on that. The four seal, you play two of them. You go for like turbo plays of like turn one Mirage Gates. The Sky Seal, you're still just attacking with Cram turn one, usually going second. Um, but you have the fallback of like that bonus prize card later in the game. Um, I, I I haven't played like any with Lost Box since rotation, so I don't really have an opinion here. Some people in my group have been playing quite a bit with the the builds. I'm not sure which one they like more, but uh, both seem to be pretty viable. Yeah, it almost feels like the Forest Seal. Like it's like pre rotation, it was very much like turn one. Let's get off the Mirage Gate attack. Um, I think with either version of the deck, even with the four seals stone version, you're like kind of lucky to get to the turn one attack. Um, uh, I just... don't know. I think you get it pretty often with the like you play heavy vacuum plus four seals stone. I think you're I getting can... turn one Mirage pretty often. Yeah, I mean, I guess you can still. If you go happen, first, you're definitely just... getting it. Yeah, well, turn two. That's turn two. But if you go, <laughs> yeah, if you go second, if you go second, I think you're getting it a decent amount of the time, and and a decent amount of the time as well. It's like you only need it where cram isn't like a fine attack to begin with, right? But if Cram's yeah. chilling, they each cram for the turn. Yeah, it's you not hard to get to cram too. turn one, but getting to seven turn one yeah. without scoop of net, even with the the forest seal. I mean, it's like so many. I've had I've played a little bit of Lost Box, several different versions. I've played a bit of Tina as well, and it feels like um, there are just less plays of like there's less. You just get to use Comfey less on turn one because there's no scoop yeah. up net, right? You have less outs to use multiple Comfey's turn one. And so because of that, your just turns are way less explosive. So um, a way higher percentage of the time than in the past, you only use 
two flower selectings on a turn on turn one right yeah well now you, yeah you can't rely on chaining two comfy there for the whole turn you have to get like comfy switch to comfy escape up to comfy yeah treat the comfy with beat the beach get the chorus and then also get the vacuum to get to seven right but i, I don't think that's like two out of the realm of, of yeah then you got four comfies in play bro no, you have three. That's three. Three from Comfies. You did did not count what you just. I did. I did. Yes, I did. If you go back comment section. No. You said, you, comfy. Comfy you said switch to Comfy and then escape rope to Comfy and then beach court no, to Comfy. That's four Comfy. No, no, we're to Comfy. Yes, I meant beach court to your attacker. Oh, okay, okay, sure. Yeah, yeah. You said retreat to Comfy. <laughs> no, retreat the Comfy. You said retreat to. Okay, okay, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> Colin, Chip needs to know he's wrong on this one. Roll the tape. Um, roll the tape. Roll the tape. <laughs> um, so what was I going to say after that? Yeah, so I think it's like pretty reasonable. Um, I don't actually think it's too hard because then you just need the vacuum plus the core, right? And you have four seal stone, which is getting anything, right? So I think getting to seven turn one is actually not too uh, too difficult at all. And sometimes you can just settle for a cram hit, right? Like a percentage of your games where you could get to seven, you don't even have to overextend or even potentially whiff it. You just get to you know four and you're just kind of chilling. Um, so... Yeah, the deck definitely seems very powerful. I think one thing to kind of take note of online events is when you see a good player pick up Lost Box and play it in one of these online tournaments, I feel like they're winning every time. Like, whenever I look at the results of a, an online tournament, there's usually no Lost Box in top eight, maybe one. But then when it's winning, it's like, oh, a good player chose to play it on at in this tournament, um, and they just won the whole tournament, right? So it does seem like it's pretty strong. Once again, I gave Lugia the BDAF in my opinion, but Lost Box, I think, is right there for sure, it seems to be anyways. Um, a deck that was kind of hyped up as a potential BDIF tier one deck that definitely doesn't feel like it sits there anymore though after like playing with it, seeing its results, it did just win the big tournament in Japan. Eh, the Maridon. What do you think about Maridon? Yeah, I like Maridon just for its like simplicity and consistency. It is really strong. It's definitely like it fits into that beat stick category. Um I do like playing the clef key in order to I think like with Klefki and Judge, if you play like a lot of Judge, you're pretty decent against Lost Box. Um, but I don't know. Maybe it's it's other matchups. Maybe you just feel a little questionable. Like Lugia, the Lugia I think it's tough. L- Lugia is pretty tough. Um, Mew, I'm not even 100 percent sure on necessarily. I don't have like Drappy on or anything like that right Without now. And there, I think it is unfavored. What's up? Yeah. Without, Without Drapion, Drapion, I do think it's unfavored. Yeah. Uh, and then Gardevoir, even. I think, like, Gardevoir um, is a close one as well. <laughs> they, they can, like, Gardevoir might just beat you, to be honest. Like, Gardevoir is yeah, pretty think, good. Yeah, I think for Rhydon is there's the new Zork V-Star. I think it's a little bit better because you can get that big turn one attack. But I think it is just a beat stick deck that crumbles to the versatility of some of the other top decks pretty heavily. Um, and overall, it's just not that not that good. It's a, it's a beat stick. We're not in a beat stick format, right? We're not just two prizes versus two prizes going as fast as possible. Um, there is a little bit more depth to the prize maneuvering in a decent amount enough of the decks where, like, I feel like Maradon just not just not it right now at all. Um, I think actually that's what's going to happen to Pau Chien. Um, is that how you say it? Chien Pau. Chien Pau. Uh, Chien Pau. Next format. It's going to be oh, it looks kind of cool with Backscalibur, but it's just going to be another bad, not bad, but just another tier three beat stick deck where it's just like. The format's just not two prizes hitting each other, so this deck just loses because it's got a bunch of two prizes with 220 HP, right? Um, so I think, yeah, that's kind of where Maridon sits. It's just a slightly better Zorark V-Star, but not good enough. Um, so we did talk already about Lugia V-Star and being the BDIF. One thing I did want to talk about that a little bit further is a lot of people, I, I, I don't think people think the deck is bad. I don't think anyone thinks Lugia is bad, but a lot of people have labeled it as like a high roll deck. 
um, it, they're basically not calling it bad, but they're like, why would you play Lugia? You're just going to get tails on your Mezgoza or get the wrong flip on your Capturing Aroma. Um, I have not had that problem at all. I've tried Capturing Aroma. I've even tried Dr- Great Ball. We'll go a little bit deeper on the Great Ball in just a second. I'm getting turned to Archie off the discard pile like 80% of my games. So I don't know why people are coming off that Lugia is a high roll deck. It feels about just as consistent as it was last format. I would even maybe feel like I'd be more confident with Lugia now than I would be with Lugia last format after my tournament run at Vancouver, where I whiffed turn two Vsar like a ton of times. Like, I think Lugia is like, I don't, th- I, I think when you start flipping coins and playing stuff like Great Ball, where you look at the ra- top random seven cards, people like to think about those kind of decks as high roll decks. Um, but yeah, I don't think, uh, I don't think Lugia is that high, that much of a high roll deck at all. I think it's just like a very good deck. And just the way the variants pan out, you're just getting there most of the time, right? Yeah, and I think that's where it's just kind of like people have a wrong way of thinking about it. Like every Pokemon yeah. deck, if you analyze it enough, could be considered a high roll deck by these We're standards, right? Every yeah, <laughs> every deck has its own uh, variance as far as you know. If you're playing one ofs and you prize a piece, or like um, needing to do very specific things, like discarding two Archeops, like odds of opening with two Archeops, or opening with your two Evolution Instance, or whatever. Um, and then odds of like you know flipping like i mean if you think about like mew and stuff like that like can we call mew a high maybe mew is even more of a high roll deck i don't know um i mean it's the meloetta build i think a lot of people would call it that although i don't think meloetta mew is that much of a high roll deck either yeah um yeah I, i'm trying to think of a good example of a high roll deck because i think it, that that does exist um i don't want to say that doesn't exist but i'm trying maybe to be like good... Rayquaza uh uh gx from yeah. that worlds in 2018 yeah, I think that uh, I don't even know if that was a, you're pretty consistent. Like that one felt there was a lot of variance in like your, but it was like if on average you'd be able to come out in a pretty good spot. Um, I don't even know if I, maybe maybe that we could call that one a high roll deck because I think if you gave a I bunch feel like of people I even that remember deck, Pedro calling it a high roll deck and he got top four with it. Yeah, I think if you gave like, a bunch of people that deck, a bunch of good players that deck. You know, some of them would do well and some of them would do terrible. Yeah. Um, but it would be hard to like consistently push for like being in a good spot with the deck like that where if you have a bunch of good players Zoral garb you know they're probably all pushing for top eight or close to it like top 16 and so on so i think yeah i think that'd be a good example i think you're actually right um but the the big discussion around lugia recently like i mentioned capturing roma versus <laughs> great ball and jake Gearhart. yeah um, this is why we love jake Gearhart. is uh went overly in depth on the analysis of capturing aroma versus great ball and actually to be honest i haven't looked at this yet so i assume the conclusion is wait what is the conclusion capturing aroma is 4.47 percent better at finding archaeops in lugia decks than great ball at the start of the game so it's just about early parts of the game and he linked this formula and this graph. I know what none of this means. So <laughs> I'm glad we've got our resident community AI Jake Gearhart on the job to <laughs> to generate these odds for us because I could not do it. Um, he says great ball yeah. becomes better at 40 cards in deck or with more desired non-basic Pokemon. So like he's just looking at the looking to get evolution Pokemon specifically out of the deck um yeah which you do want to get a v-star out at some point as well Mm -hmm. but yeah it's definitely interesting i mean to me search just feels better than random right because capturing aroma is going to guarantee you get something right and on turn one you need a lot um and what's kind of interesting as well is if you're playing burnett it doesn't matter what you flip on capturing aroma you're going to get 
Archaeops because you either flip uh, heads and get an Archaeops itself, or you flip tails and you go get Luminion, and Luminion gets you Burnett, which discards two Archaeops, yeah. right? And that's the best argument I think I've seen for why Captain Roma is just kind of, and, it's, it, and that's the thing, like you can do this math, but there's still so many situationals to think about, you know, at, so like Jake said, at 40 cards left, less in deck, at 40 cards or less in deck, Great Ball becomes better, right? But it depends so, on how many if, evolutions you've pulled out of those first 40 cards, right? Like, yeah, we pull out an arc. That's true, though. Like, well, is that including once you, like, even if you have three Archaeops left in deck, if you already have one in the discard pile, is that accounting for that? I actually don't even know. I assume not. I, I guess. don't know. I don't um, know. So, yeah. <laughs> if Jake listens to this, Jake, if you want to give a little bit more in depth of an explanation in the comment sections, um, I don't know how well you explained the analysis of it in the comments on Twitter. I can't read all of them right now. If you did it pretty in depth over there, then no need. But I mean, um, if you can understand the the math that, I mean, he showed his work, you know, like if, if, yeah. this, if this was a high school paper, you know, he would get credit because he showed his work, but, um, yeah, but yeah, I don't know like what, how many other situations this accounts for, right? Cause the Burnett situation, the, okay, if you go first and you just play a research, now you're at 40 or less cards, right? For seven from deck clicking here. or it's eight from deck. So you'll be at 39 like at the very least, stuff. at the very least 39 cards left in deck, right? Cause prize cards, eight in hand, play research, draw seven. And you play great ball from there. Um, but if you've already pulled out an Archaeops, you only have three Archaeops left in deck. Like what? Like there's so many situations to come up with. All I have is like, and this is why, like, I think playing with both and just experiencing both would give you kind of unlock the true, like, to truly know. Which you just one gotta is go better. with the vibes, you know. You gotta um, go with. And the we see vibes. people on both sides, right? Like Jake, Jake, your heart is on the math. I don't even know if Jake, if Jake has said if they prefer capturing aroma or Great Paul, or maybe they just did the math, or just like this is the math. Um, but I know uh, James Arnold is a huge fan of uh, Great Paul. I know Isaiah Bradner is a fan of Capturing Aroma. Uh, when I've played the deck with both, I just get turned to Archaeops every game anyway, so I have no idea which one is better. But I've definitely had situations with both where it's like uh, Capturing Aroma can't guarantee this here, but then I great balled into like a T-Tar, and I've had situations where it's like I need, I, I just need you know to get this evolution here, and then I play the Aroma, and I go get the guaranteed uh, evolution. Or Capturing Aroma just even guaranteed grabbing a Pokemon out of your deck no matter what to thin it out further is also like a, a factor as well. Because like in the mid-late game, Great Ball is not guaranteed anything. But Capturing Aroma heads or tails will probably get you a basic or an evolution because you do play the four Archaeops, four V-Stars. It'll probably still always be able to get you an evolution. So yeah, I don't know. It, I played both. Uh, and both have felt pretty good. But I would probably lean towards Aroma being the uh, the way to go. But it's really hard to calculate all those situationals that come up that could, could make one theoretically better yeah. than the other. It's like theoretically there is a mathematical correct answer, but there are so many possible variables that it's probably impossible it to calculate, to right? Like <laughs> yeah. it's it's gotta be close um, to impossible to calculate. I don't know. As far as growing and trying to become a better player, don't let coin flips sway you as to why you do or do not play a card. If it's just a general, if there's just a general consensus, and you're not going to go out of your way to do the math to figure out if capturing aroma is better than great ball, but the general consensus is capturing aroma is greater than great ball in your Lugia deck, you should just be playing capturing aroma. And I think that's like a big part in just like understanding the statistical side of Pokemon and kind of giving into it almost, just letting the statistics take control of your some of your decisions in gameplay choices and deck building, um, and not kind of overly thinking about it or trying to prove. Or just trying to uh, be be like I'm right because this feels better, right? So I think sure. that is like something you can take. Uh, a lot of players can take to just grow and become better players. Is just like let the statistics just take over. If it, if it says it's correct for this reason, if the statistics say something is correct, just believe it and kind of move on to the next thing. You go spend your time, you know, 
you know, do something else and don't just don't go off your feelings of I don't like flipping coins. It doesn't matter if you don't like flipping coins. And the, but the only thing that matters is trying to win as much as possible, right? So don't let your feelings get in the way of that. Um, if you don't like <laughs> flipping coins, a deck you could definitely play <laughs> would be Gardevoir. One of the better hey, some new decks play to come out. What's up? Some people play Mezgoza and Guardi, so there's some, there's some oh, flips. Okay, might be some flips, might be some flips. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not quite a flip three zone here with the Gardevoir deck. Um, but yeah, Gardevoir has definitely been pretty hyped up as well. It currently on Play Limitless is the fourth most popular deck. It did do pretty decently over in Japan those first couple tournaments, but in the more recent Miyagi Champions League, there's only one in the top 16. Um yeah, and we've seen a few different lists emerge as well with the Gardevoir. Matchups-wise, it has a pretty bad Lost Box matchup, which I think is like the biggest yeah. deterrent for it right now. People are trying to find answers of ways to beat it. We've seen the jellies, the healing, all that stuff. Um, in your experience, Azul, I don't know, you haven't played much Lost Box, but have you, you've played a bit of Gardevoir, I think, right? Yeah. How have you felt about the Lost Box matchup or just maybe the matchup spread in general? I mean, I think one of Gardevoir's biggest struggles to begin with is consistency. So I've been playing builds that have like no healing, four research, four level ball, four fog crystal, four VIP pass, um, uh, no research, no healing. I tried out the Mewtwo V Union build because you can fit that into the build a little bit with a more aggressive build a little bit better. Um, the Mewtwo V Union is basically a dead card in every matchup besides the Lost Box matchup. But even in the Lost Box matchup, I feel like they can still get too far ahead sometimes. Uh, or they can kind of set their board state up to actually deal with the MeTV Union, like just by like preemptively putting down Drapion, basically, and being like, okay, you're going to MeTV Union next turn. Well, I'm just going to bench Drapion with an energy this turn, or two energy, or I've built it up over a couple turns, and just be like, I'm just going to, you have to like boss this now, right? Yeah. So, so then they can't um, Roxy in you? Yeah, I think, I think Guard War, if, if Lost Box didn't exist, if you just like remove, remove Lost Box and didn't fill that void with anything, I think Guard would be the best deck in the format by far. Uh, I think Guardi like destroys like almost every other deck in the format. Like if it's a two prize deck, you just win. Um, and I'm playing like the build without any rare candy, no aggressive attacks. The Mewtwo V Union is meh. I've cut it. You know, I'm just like straightforward consistency, beating everything that's not lost box pretty handedly. So I would say in my current take on Guard War is once you start teching for the the lost box matchup and you go to like a judge build, the deck just kind of becomes a, a it, it lowers itself to the level of basically every other deck in the format i feel like we don't have the strong uh your matchups are like 50 50s against like the arctinas and the maridons and stuff whereas before if you just go with a straight consistency build you're like heavily favored like 60 40s even maybe a little bit more in some of those matchups um so i feel like it's not worth even teching for lost box because even at the point where you're teching for lost box the matchup is still like 50 50 <laughs> like even with yeah, even if you're build, trying to cram like some klefki in there or something like that yeah, right? like it's like too much stuff just, I think being consistent, like I think being consistent and maybe taking the risk of just not having lost box is just the way to go. Um, Even for EUIC, you think? Like, I mean, I mean, lost box isn't isn't like Lugia levels of popular. Sure. Right? It's not going to be a thirty percenter, maybe twenty, but I don't even think it'll get to twenty. Um, and then its conversion rate is just not going to be good. I think everyone can agree. No one's going to disagree on that. Like the conversion rate of lost box day one to day two is just not going to be that high. So, um, I think it could be a reasonable risk, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely interesting. I think I could see it. Um, Something to think about. So you're you're kind of off the V Union train thing, because I know you were liking it for a while. You played it on your stream and seemed to like it at least, right? Yeah, it's cool, but it, I, like, never used it. Um, I, like, 
I, it's like the games that I used it, I could have also just clawed for another Zation. I would have won it. <laughs> yeah, sure, um, sure. Also, that's actually a cool thing that I've seen recently, the second Zation over the second recovery card. I do like two um, Zashian, yeah. Yeah, which I think I do like. Because the second one, you don't want to like use them back-to-back in the mid-game, but using the second one to just be like your end-game closer is like really, really nice. I mean, um, and if you're playing No Rare Candy, it's your best thing to do on turn two, right? Is just take a yeah. prize with Zashian usually. If you can, it's sometimes hard to line that up, but you don't even need to. You can like give them two prize cards and still win the prize in most matchups. So, um, yeah, the Dexter's, yeah, Guardi's really good. <laughs> Big fan. Yeah, seems um, strong. Yeah, we'll see what happens though with Guardi at UIC as well. Uh, interesting to hear the No Rare Candy build uh, is what you have liked the best. I guess it does like maybe make the deck feel more streamlined, I would be maybe the, the thing to think about there, right? Yeah, definitely. Because you're not getting like turn two candy that often. There, you're getting a lot more with a, a research build though. Like research plus me is pretty good at finding the combo, um, but it feels like unnecessary and a uh, unnecessary dip into your consistency to to run that. I can even see like running maybe just like two rare candy to be honest though, because it can help in your like late game with just like making sure you have enough guardies to close the game. Um, but yeah, guardies pretty good. Um, not BDIF, I don't think, because lost box is out there still, but very solid deck. A deck that was considered BDIF, I feel like though. Um, kind of had like that hype like Mariah early on in the format and now and now this deck I actually just don't think is that good <laughs> uh, but Tor did put it in S tier in his uh, what's it called tier list is uh, Lost Tina uh, a lot of people were like hyping up with DIF going into the format I feel like early and, and has not really had that much success at all the little I played with it and played against it it just seems like the clunky the same clunky deck that it was uh, you know pre or like the when it was uh, played pre Lugia. Yeah, Lost Tina feels like playing just a strong Lost Box deck, but you have two prize liabilities almost. Um, or yeah. like the game like getting to your finishes faster is as well, like which isn't yeah. good. Like so, I think Lost Tina was better pre Lugia, right? It was better yeah. than maybe just straight Lost Box um but then lugia came out and then kind of pushed lost tina out of the format because tina just gave up two prize cards right it was just too much of a liability uh and lost box needed to focus on having six full turns to come back into the game a lot of the time where if you're playing giratina down you don't have that and i feel like we're maybe still a little bit too much in that where putting down a two prize pokemon almost feels as a lost zone deck, like you're giving your opponent too much of a chance to get back ahead in the prize race. Yeah. I mean, you're putting them down in like the Mirage Gate builds too, right? But they were like be more aggressive with those to make sure you're like trading two for two. Um, and yeah. I feel like it's just like the consistency of being able to utilize it. Yeah. You have to like put down Tina and attach to it and say, please don't Final knock this out this turn. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. You're not being aggressive with this. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I don't, I just don't think it's that good. I would like to be, Always down to be proven wrong, but yeah, Tina's like on this. Like, I feel like it's like a tier three deck. I do think it is more consistent though than regular Lost Box. It has felt to me at least, and that's mm. a lot. I feel like the abyss, the turn two abyss seeking, or turn one what abyss seeking, what? turn abyss one seeking? abyss seeking. Yeah, bro, turn one abyss turn... seeking. What do you do? You're already losing the game. <laughs> I mean, it depends on what you're playing. If you're playing against something like Guardi, though, it's like that's fine. I'm swinging with Crane, bro. I'm trying to get that knockout. <laughs> I mean, that's fair. Uh, against Klefki decks, maybe more specifically, but that that is yeah. feel like has slowed the format has moved away from that a little bit. It was really like the first few days on TCG Live. What are you doing right now? You playing with some dice? Yeah, I 
picked him up, dropped him down by accident. <laughs> um, <laughs> I feel like the first few days on TCG Live, like I just played a bunch of Clef Key decks, right? And then it was like yeah. when I played Lost Tina, it was okay because I just go Abyss Seeking, find my escape rope, and then boom, I'm chilling next turn. Oh, yeah, we're good. Got the Abyss Seeking. Can't lose. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think Lost on Tina is very good. I think it's just like kind of a, a pile. Um, she's like not consistent enough. It has too many weird situations. Um, and then like you don't have enough other strong attackers that aren't the Tinas to actually kind of beat the the two prize trading decks without your Tinas, and you just have to fall apart from there. I feel like yeah. Um, an interesting uh, comeback, I guess, uh, is been uh, I guess it's less of an Urshifu deck than it isn't until I'm Vmax deck, but it's been kind of like this rapid strike box type deck where you got the Urshifu. VMAX, Inteleon VMAX, Radiant Alakazam to move some damage around that you have to ping them with the, the double gunner ability of the Inteleon, and then you got the meta champs. It's a really cool deck. Yeah. Um, and I actually think it might be better than I currently think it is, but I just haven't had any time to play it. So, um, yeah, my opinion is kind of uncertain about this one, but I, I have cool. not played it either. I've watched a few people play it though, and the amount of plays you can make with it is super cool, right? And the just so much is opened up to you thanks to the double gunner, thanks to the Alkazam, and thanks to the meta cham, right? Stealing an extra turn is super strong. You can also, of course, get that G Max rapid flow in there. Like, there, there is a ton you can yeah. do with this deck, like, and especially whenever you're trying to create the plays where you're yoga looping a manaphy in order to rapid flow the next turn like two turns in a row not give them a chance to even get manaphy back i mean that's really cool um i think that this is probably a more difficult deck to play as well uh just because there is so many things you want to try to set yeah. up or you have so many different Definitely. paths to try to take at least um but i do also kind of feel a little underwhelmed by this deck yeah, that's the way it's kind of felt from what I've seen. A little bit that I've uh, played against it. I haven't really played it, like I said. I've played against it a couple times. What I've seen, eh, yeah, I'm not, not digging it um, at all. But it would be one of those things that I'd like love it to be, you know, a good deck. Speaking of good decks that I actually think are bad, in the current meta is Mew. I think Mew is super powerful right now. But when you look at the matchup spread that you got kind of going on, unfavored against Lost Box, Horidon's unfavored if they got Drapion. Uh, Lugia is unfavored. Guard Wars unfavored. Is there a reason to play Mew right now? Do you think? I don't think so. I think Mew is pretty good. I think it's trolling. <laughs> I think I think Mew is super consistent. It's the most consistent deck in the format, like for sure. Mm. Um, and I'm talking about just football. double Turbo Mew. I definitely still prefer double Turbo Mew to like the Fusion Strike build. Um, I don't think you lose to Lost Box with Path Judge spam. You do have to kind of like spam it and like you got to play a lot more paths than normal. Um, but it almost I feel like maybe the way to play it right now would be like that. You remember that tournament that you won where you played like four path four lost vacuum Mew? like I feel like yeah. that build of the deck could be pretty good right now. Yeah, I mean, it's been doing well, I think, as far as the double turbo Mews have been going a bit less techie more towards that kind of yeah um, more path control oriented. I just don't think like I even then like even though you got that. Judge Pat spam going on to your lost box matchup is still unfavorable. Like I said, I think you come up short against Guardi. Um, and then Tina, like even lost Tina, they got the Drapion, like all these matchups. Yeah, I think Tina is probably the toughest matchup of the, the top decks. Yeah. I think you can beat Lost Zone and Lugia. I don't know, Lugia's pretty tough. I think Lugia, I don't know. I mean, it almost feels like the same as it was before, where it's like sometimes you just win because you go Judge Pat them out of the game. But yeah. Um, yeah, that's that's pretty much, I guess, your best shot there. But like, you also, I think, can just 
trade favorably if you uh, go first, right? Yeah. To yeah, take... I mean, not really. They have Titar Titar. They always win the prize trade theoretically. Yeah, like I mean, if they pull off, the, I mean, yeah, sure, 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 sure. I mean, the if, they, I think is like if a, off of Judge Path they get Titar attacking your VMAX, yeah, sure, they're going to win. <laughs> if but, they got the Evotol, I think they're cooking. That card is super good yeah, against Mew. Yeah, uh, but like a lot of lists up. have not been playing the Evotol. A lot yeah, of lists have not been card. playing it. Well, that's because Mew sucks, and there's no reason to tech for Mew. <laughs> that's why. <laughs> I do think, like, if there's ever been a tournament to, I mean, like, this is a tournament where you can go in with a deck that loses to Mew and be just fine with that, Oh, yeah, definitely. hundred percent. Yeah, I don't think there's any reason to, I mean, you should like if you're playing like lost lost box you should play a drapion but like there's no reason to tech from you like yeah overly like you don't need to go out of your way like you've seen like the arctinas none of them play drapion for the most part right like I, they have four paths four judge you know they just go you know 50 50 against the Mew, whatever that might be and I think they're just kind of fine with that yeah they wouldn't tech from you i don't think it'll do very well um i've been seeing some people play say that they think the fusion build is the better way to play the deck right now which i think you have better matchups against like the lugia and stuff with the fusion build but i think your lost box matchers suffer so hard if you go the fusion route, it's, it can't be worth the trade-off if a Lost Box is the number one deck, right? So, yeah. I wouldn't pick up Mew. Um, for me to get convinced to play Mew for you, I see I'd have to get beaten up real bad with it in this next week of testing, um, which is possible, <laughs> I guess, but I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, speaking of the Arctina, though, um, Arceus in general, like Arctina seems to be the way to go. I don't know if we've talked too much about that, but do you think there's any other variant of Arceus that can kind of compete with Arctinos? Kind of like that's the way to play Arceus, or is that just the way to play Arceus? Yeah, I mean, I've seen some flying Pikachu things pop up. I've, uh, I think I, I watched LDF stream playing um, a Vulpix version of the deck. He also like got ninth in the tournament with Tina plus flying Pikachu <laughs> in the deck. Like he was just playing everything there. Um, yeah, I do think overall Arctina is probably the best way to go. And I mean, I think in theory, it seems fine, right? Like Arceus is just pretty solid against Lost Box. It's got a lot of HP. You can play Sharon's Care in there as well if you want to, to make it even a little bit better. Um, And then Tina just nukes everything else in the format, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I think think it's solid. Yeah, and that might be the best way. I think Arceus is good right now, for sure. I just don't know what the best attackers with it, but it seems like Tina is probably the way to go. Um, Speaking of like big Pokemon, I think one one last deck to kind of talk about. Just slightly here, it's been kind of making it come up recently. Uh, is the Lost Zone Gudra. Um, I think mostly this is kind of seen uh, a decent amount of success is because your Lost Box matchup has always been pretty good. I think it's still probably pretty good. Uh, yeah. But your Lugia matchup, I think it's favorable, has gone from unfavorable to favorable, which is a pretty big swing. Yeah, it turns out not having Evil Tall is uh, is pretty tough for Lugia to, <laughs> to get around these Pokemon that yeah. do a bunch of reduced or take a bunch of reduced damage. Um, you can still, I don't know, I mean, I guess Lugia could build in a way, like if Lugia started playing Rope, right? Like, and that's kind of the thing <laughs> um, where Lugia, like even last format, right, could build to beat things. But like Gudra, such a small meta share deck, like uh, it does seem okay right now. And it could be a situation where it's underrated again. And I think that's something that we constantly did last format was underrate Gudra or we just didn't, we we didn't respect it. I think as much as, you know, compared to what its results were. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, It did have have some decent results, but I think even all the Gudra players would be like, yeah, I'm slightly unfavored against Lugia at the very least. Right. Yeah. 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 Even the guy, uh, got top eight with Gudra, not the guy who ended up winning, but the guy who got top eight with Gudra, I talked to him a little bit, um, in, 
uh, what was this last tournament? Fort Wayne. And he was like, yeah, I'm just really hoping to like, I would like to not play any Lugias pretty much. It's <laughs> <laughs> like a crazy thing to say when it's, you know, 25, I guess it was like 22% of the meta there. So future yeah. players were loving that for sure. Um, but yeah, I guess like to kind of wrap up this, uh, to wrap up our EIC discussion, like we've kind of done in the past with some other major terms, do a couple predictions uh, for EUIC. Um, first one we got here is what region will the champion be from? Chip? I mean, mathematically, you got to go with Europe, but off the vibes, off the feels, it's USA, baby. I didn't pick USA for our last two predictions for this. I got flamed a little bit in the comments. We're going USA all day. Come on, get the dub. I'm going to go with, uh, of course, I'm going to try and win the tournament myself. But I'm going to go with Latin America because if I don't win it, I think it'd be cool to see Gustavo get the tr- the three-peat. That would just be kind of a cool three thing Three UIC's see. in a row, yeah. Yeah, three UIC's in a row from Gustavo would be cool. So I'm going to go with Latin America on that one. Mm, Tord starts sweating a little bit. Gustavo catching up, huh? <laughs> <laughs> only EUIC every time Gustavo has won like eight ICs four years from now five years from now there's already there'll be seven years from now just all UICs <laughs> so we talked about Giratina V-Star a little bit we've talked about how a lot of top players have kind of identified it as the best deck in the format um, or is it you seem right? to not think that it is the strongest the lost zone version of Giratina you seem to think it's not yeah. very good what do you think the highest placing Giratina V-Star deck will be in this tournament. I'm going to go with, I mean, it's still not a terrible deck. I think it's one of those decks where I think it's just like on the, it's just like there's no reason to play it because there's a lot of other decks that are just better than it, but it's not bad. I think a lot of people still really like it and I could definitely see some good players picking up. So I think top 16 will be my prediction. Like that's, I'm not too far out, but Dang, I'm, you, I'm not going to my it. prediction. <laughs> I was going to say top 16, but I'll give it a little bit more credit. I'll, I'll go with the top eight. I'll give it, I'll give it a top eight finish. Someone sneaks in. Uh, and speaking of top eight, surprise deck to make top eight. Maybe something we didn't talk about here. There's a few other fringe decks out there in the format, or maybe something that we talked about that you don't think is very good, but you think there's a chance it could sneak in there. Um, surprise deck. Hey, let me look at like a metagame breakdown real fast. I can just kind of. Well, you're thinking I can go ahead and make my call. Okay, you got if you got one, go for it. I'm calling Shadow Rider Calyrex V Max, baby. Shadow Rider in top eight. Let's make it happen. It's such a strong card. Meta's not been very good for it recently. Uh, in like it's over like a, a pseudo year. control deck now. <laughs> but there's less Mew. There's uh, it's Mew matchup is good. A lot different. It's Mew matchup's good. Well, yeah, because you should just shadow lock them. Oh, it's, it's like sure, a pseudo sure, control sure. deck. Shadow Rider is like a cheese. pseudo control deck. Yeah, now. yeah, yeah. Um, let's see if you're going with the Shadow Rider. Uh, I guess I'll go with. I'm actually surprised. Like, I guess it kind of makes sense. It kind of sucks. You know, we we're kind of hyping up Radiant Etern going into this meta, but we forgot that Quick Ball rotates. You literally can't find your Radiant Etern turn one if you go first. Like, <laughs> it's not impossible. We only have four Ultra Ball, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, but I that was like big... enough for such a long time, right? For what? For like every format in the past yeah but finding radiant e-turn turn one to use it to get your v maxes sure i feel like you lost like you needed more outs to it that's why we hadn't seen it at all i feel like um but yeah i'll pick a fringe deck i don't know there's not that much i think is gudra fringe can i go with gudra i, I think, think you can fair. go with gudra i'll give you gudra all right i'll go with gudra in the in the top eight i feel like it's pretty strong right now it's definitely one of those and i like decks like gudra where it feels like you got some good matchups you got some bad matchups 
Um, and then the deck is still viable, like because of that. Um, where I felt like in the past, or in some metas, it's like you either play one of the top three decks that are 50 50 against each other, or you just can't play anything. So, um, uh, it definitely feels like Guja is one of those decks in this meta where it's like it's got its good, it's got its bad. Um, I don't think it's gonna win, but then what will win, Chip? What is your prediction on what deck will win the tournament? Yes, one final prediction. I mean, there's a lot of things I think you could go with that would be pretty safe bets here, like a Lost Box deck or a Lugia. Maridon? Question mark? Mew VMAX? I think I'm going to play it safe on this one. Since I had to go with the top eight for Giratina, didn't want to. Uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Lugia. I think Lugia reigns supreme on the format once again. Everyone's so excited for rotation, but it's just Lugia V Star on top once more. Yeah, I could see that. I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna go with Guardi. I think we could see a Guardi sneak past the lost boxes. Right, as well um, or, Here we go. Know, run hot enough, I guess, with the tech cards. Like if you're gonna tech it out, you could run hot enough to you know beat enough lost boxes and not come up a little bit short in some of your other matchups. So maybe you just dodge um, them. Maybe someone just dodges them all, right? I mean, that's what I'd want to see is like a, 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 a guardian build just be like, all right, I lose the lost box, but I beat everything else. Let's go. Like I even cut Manaphy from my most recent build of guardian because I was like, well, if I lose the lost box, why am I playing this? And I don't respect lost Tina enough to be like, well, I think with Manaphy, lost Tina matchup's not terrible. Without Manaphy, it probably gets pretty bad, but I don't respect lost Tina enough to probably play it. So I was just like, I'm just going to cut the Manaphy and put in a second Mew because Mew's really good. And uh, I already lose the lost box. So um, yeah, let's go with the guardian. We'll see what happens just a few short days away. I'm going to be watching along from home with a bunch of other people. We'll be rooting you on, Azul. Hopefully you can bring another one home for America and for the Uncommon Energy Podcast. Rooting for you, buddy. I'll do my best. Yeah, I've been carrying all of our IC dubs, bro. You got to step it up and get one of those. Uh, Me? <laughs> Listen, I'm going to play one more regionals this year, okay? And uh, we'll see what we can make happen. <laughs> all right, let's do it. All right. right. Well, yeah, that's going to do it for this week's episode. Thanks so much for everyone for listening. We appreciate the support as always. As always, if you want to show your support, go that little extra mile. Take just a second. Leave us a review on your favorite podcasting platform or drop us a comment over on the YouTube video. All those things help us out so, so much. We're actually super close to 5,000 subscribers on we might the actually get there before this goes live. I think we're like super, super close. I think we're like 10 away or something like that. So oh, we're 90 away. 90 away. Okay. So, so that can definitely away. be made happen with this episode. And if it didn't, that would actually Let's be kind get of it. Shameful. Come on, subscribe. <laughs> All right. <laughs> you can do it. Uh, if you guys want to stay connected with us, the best place to do that is over on Twitter. You can follow myself at Chip Richie. Azul is at Azul underscore GG. You can follow the podcast at Uncommon underscore Energy. We'll probably be live next week on. Are you fine back? You're probably fine I get back, back Sunday. Monday. So yeah, we'll be back. We'll be back on normal. Oh, schedule. we'll be back we'll on be back Tuesday Sunday. next week. Okay, normal schedule yeah. next week. Cool. Well, we're normal scheduled this week as well. That is true. Yeah, <laughs> we'll be back on schedule, uh, just like we were this week. Appreciate the support as always. Good luck to everyone who's going to AOIC. Huge shout out. Um, or once again. Uh, super happy to be working with Dragon Shield. Um, go check them out. Best leads in the business, uh, as we mentioned before. Yeah, super happy to be working with them here on the podcast and having them be a partner, a sponsor, uh, whatever you want to call it. Just super excited to be working with them uh, over here with Uncommon Energy. And uh, yeah, we'll catch you all next week.